Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Recorded live. Hoaxbusters call. Join the discussion by dialing 724-447-444. Call ID 90337. Yeah, what's going on, everybody? How you doing? It's Monday, December the 28th, 2015. Yeah, I've been having some uh, power surges around here. And uh, yeah, I'm just trying to get all this sorted out. I had to uh, plug in my modem into a power source, so it, hopefully we won't lose connection. Uh, it's like these, yeah, power surge. It's been pretty bad weather around here as far as wind and 60-mile-an-hour wind gusts and uh, some ice, some snow mixed in on the ground on the roads and yeah it's uh i think it's starting to affect the power which it sometimes does um yeah let me uh if someone would be so kind as to confirm if they can hear me or not (laughs) i got the uh Okay, good. Uh, yeah, good. Um, well, let's see. Uh, oh, New Year's Day is saying unmute me, please. Yeah, ha- hang on and, uh, I'll unmute you here directly. I need to, uh, I'll do the intro, do the whatnots and wherefores and so forth in the accordance. So that we're not, we're not upsetting the, uh, oh, the balance of the, uh, the configurations of the multiverse and all that science, man. So that's what we're talking about. Um, well, who's in the chat anyway? Greg and G, New Year's Day, Robert Ravolt, Sample Listen, Talk Shoe Monitor, Wade 57, New York, and S, California. Uh, Hucklebuck just popped in. Uh, I'm guessing S, California is Southern California. 
um, Robert saying, I hope Chris has a lot of flat earth to talk about. I, yeah, I guess we talk about some flat earth, the flatness of the earth. Uh, yeah, if y'all want, uh, <coughs> pardon me, uh, let's find a quote to read prior to that. Uh, pull it up right here. People react to fear, not love. They don't teach that in Sunday school, but it's true. And that's from Richard M. Richard Milhouse Nixon, which I think was one of the better presidents, probably contrary to popular opinion, because uh, I think it was sort of a landmark presidency in the that kind of perpetuated the idea that maybe, just maybe, these you know total strangers that we put out there to quote-unquote, govern us, whatever that happens to be in, you know, in your mind, because it's all, oh, it's all a construct, you know, the, the whole government concept, and we talk about that, how it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fictional construct, and, uh, but, you know, Richard Nixon was the president who got impeached, right? Because he did some bad stuff. He did some stuff he wasn't supposed to. He, like, oh, he, he allegedly had some had some people break into a, to a building and, and, and take some stuff. Which is, when you look at, you know, and we talk about this kind of in the, in the uh, oh, a big overview of what we're talking about, we're talking about government is, yeah, aren't, okay, aren't these the same individuals that, uh, as a matter of business, just regular business practice is to, uh, yeah, force you to pay them money in the, what's called taxes, and they, and they force that upon you through various veiled and not so veiled direct and not so direct, uh, threats of, which will amount to violence, you know, if you if you push it too far, they're going to fall back on their trump card, which is yeah, locking you up in a in a cage or uh you know, if 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 you resist their efforts to uh you know, accommodate you in one of their facilities if you want to, like, say, no, I don't think so, I, I'm not going to. So you, you have to resist their physical force and whatever resistance will be met with uh, a, a, a much greater resistance until, you know, you, you're either complying or you're dead. And these, and, and, and Richard Nixon represented that, group at one point in history and he was really really bad because he, he he had some some of his henchmen break into a building or something like that 
So that, that was a bad, bad thing. And everybody was really uptight about it and upset. Should not have done that. And, and that went down in history as the Watergate scandal and so on and so on. And it was a really, really big deal. But, uh, yeah, aren't this, isn't this group? You talk about government conspiracies. I mean, uh, I read that quote too from, uh, uh, okay. This guy's name is, uh, uh, man, it escapes me, but yeah, he, he was a, he's a libertarian type, but he, he said something to affect it. Yeah. If you want to know what a, cons- uh, if a conspiracy exists, it's like well, the government itself is a conspiracy. You know, these, these people that, uh, identify themselves as government and they pretty much, have their way with you and everybody kind of acquiesces to it because it's, it's sort of this necessary evil that everybody kind of just goes along with. Yeah. And they, and they get up to all kinds of, uh, bad, immoral things, but it's okay because they're identified as government. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I made a video, um, titled, uh, warning graphic content, dot, 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 question mark. And, uh, I thought of the idea when I was looking at this promotional video online for this halo group uh big shindig they were gonna have where they're gonna get a bunch of oh professionals in the military the law enforcement uh you know the 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 henchmen of the quote-unquote new world order or the government or whatever you want to call it the the boots on the ground so to speak the those oh or you know, quote unquote, protectors, our defenders, our, our, our knights in shining armor, our, our saviors, those people. And this, it, it was like a, uh, oh yeah, we're, we're, we're going to do some hyper realistic training and it, it, it's sure going to be a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, here, here's what we do. And he's interviewing this other guy and he's talking about, uh, strategic operations and uh this organization is put together to incorporate hollywood special effects into hyper realistic training for the troops and for the swat team members and the police and on and on and on BATF, you know fbi dhs d the uh blm on and on and on and on, all those alphabet agencies and IRS, I guess IRS, I don't know. They, they all carry guns, so I guess they all need to participate in this hyper-realistic training. But, yeah, um, I was talking to John earlier, and uh, maybe that's him on the hold. Uh But I'll, uh, yeah, I'll get to the callers here in a minute. But, uh, I wanted to play this snippet of audio 
because I was talking to John earlier about that video. I said, yeah, I, I was meaning to, but I didn't get around to it or, uh, had it in my mind. And then after I uploaded it and I was like, Oh yeah, I should have put that uh, snippet of dialogue from the movie wag the dog into that clip. But, uh, yeah, I have it here and I'll play it. And, uh, and then comment on it. But here it is. Two things I know to be true. There's no difference between good flan and bad flan. And there is no war. Guess who I am? I would like to point out that I am under medical care and taking medication, the side effects of which you've rendered me a little quite touching. Well, I also take this opportunity to suggest that equally I admit to nothing and I, and I would like my lawyer present. We show an NSA confirms there are no nuclear devices on the Canadian border. There are no nuclear devices in Albania. Albania has no nuclear capacity. Our spy satellites show no secret terrorist training camps in the Albanian hinterland. The Border Patrol, the FBI, the RCMP report no, repeat, no untoward activity along our picturesque Canadian border. The Albanian government is screaming its defense. The world is listening. There is no war. Of course there's a war. I'm watching it on television. Who might you be when it's all said and done? My name is Conrad Breen. Who do you work for? Nobody whose name you want me to say, Mr. Young, I promise you. Ah, it's all well and good, but when the fit hits the shan, somebody's going to have to stay after school. Who do you suppose that might be? I don't know what you're talking about. The spy satellites show it, Mr. Breen. They show no war. Then what good are they if they show no war? I mean, what are we spending a quarter trillion dollars a year on the Defense Department? What good are they if they show nothing? What, are they useless? Are they just broke or what? I mean, what is it? I would like to point out further that these medications I mean, taken in conjunction... If there's no threat, then where are you? Let me go you one more. If there's no threat, what good are you? Mr. Breen, you are the threat. I'm the threat. I am the threat. Well, what have I been doing the last 30 years that you haven't been doing? You want to fill me in on that? The last 30 years, Mr. Breen, I have been working to ensure the security of my country. Yes, oh, have sure we all. And I would well like to point out that the security parents, of this country... But of course, to choose between the security of your country the and the security of, of your job, is, which would you pick? Not... And while you hesitate, permit me to suggest that they are one and the same, your country and your job. I'm doing my job, Mr. Breen. That's what you see me doing. I'm doing my job. What is it you were doing? I'm doing my job, too. And let me ask you something. Let me ask you a simple question. Why do people go to war? Why do they go to war? I'll play your silly game. Okay, why do they go to war? To ensure their way of life. Would you go to war to do that? I have. And if you went to war again, who would it be against? Huh? Your ability to fight a two-ocean war against who? Who? Sweden and Togo? That time has passed. It's over. The war of the future is nuclear terrorism. It is, and it'll be against a small group of dissidents who, unbeknownst perhaps to their own governments, have blah, 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 blah. And to go to that war, you have to be prepared. you got to be alert. The public has got to be alert because that is the war of the future. And if you're not gearing up to fight that war, then eventually the axe will fall and you're going to be out in the street. And you could call this a drill. You could call this job security. You could call it anything you like. But I got one for you. You said go to war to preserve your way of life. Well, Chuck, this, this is your way of life. And if your spy satellites don't see nothing, if there ain't no war, then you can go home and prematurely take up golf, my friend. Because there ain't no war but ours. Thank you. Drive carefully. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, if you're uh, not familiar with that uh, movie, um, yeah, I recommend you check that out. 
Um, yeah, wag the dog. And we've talked about it before. Okay, wag the dog comes out. And it's released like two months before uh, the whole Monica Lewinsky affair broke. Uh, and I think that's what we were talking about before. That's how Drudge Report got its big boost was with reporting on Monica Lewinsky and all that in the 90s. Uh, I don't think he ever talks about Wag the Dog, but yeah, that, that had the same pretty much line for line scenario that, uh, became quote unquote reality, uh, down to some, you know, specific details. And we talk about that with, uh, the films that will come out and then they will come out prior to a quote unquote event or some kind of, uh, really played up narrative that comes out in the media. And then, you know, that's like, ah, wow. It's like down to like the, you know, like we talked about before about the, uh, all the Mart, the Mart, uh, Martin Keating, the book, uh, that came out prior to the, uh, Murrah building bombing with Timothy McVeigh. And the, and one of the main terrorists in the book is, uh, uh, a character by the name of Tom McVie and uh, other kind of, you know, details about, you know, the terrorists getting stopped because of the lack of license plates and uh, that supposedly happened in real life and just some really pretty granular detail about what was eventually going to happen. And then Martin Keating is the governor of Frank Keating, uh, the, go- uh, <laughs> the brother of Governor Frank Keating of a uh, Oklahoma just so happens. And then, uh, yeah, then, you know, you have the wag the dog that came out and then, you know, it, it, it prior to the Monica Lewinsky thing and then the subsequent war and, uh, Kosovo and on and on. And, uh, that was, uh, held up as, well, that's Clinton's diversion from his, scandal and that's the same scenario that's put forth in the movie with the campfire girl and the in the movie and then uh it shows in the opening scene of wag the dog where robert de niro is walking into the white house he's he goes into this kind of atrium and then in there is a uh, an oil painting of the president of the united states with uh with the fire firefly girl is what they were called and uh, she has a black beret on. And then Monica Lewinsky uh, subsequently had the black beret. And that was kind of an iconic photo of her that was put forward and put out in front of people. You know, so th- just details, details like that. Uh, and then, you know, Wag the Dog being what's what uh, I refer to it as, you know, based on... Um, yeah, looking at Michael Hoffman's work, where he talks about revelation of the method, and and, and I, I think that's just a that's just a good it's a good term, uh, and I think it's uh, a, a sort of a principle or or what have you that gets gets played out among these things, where it's kind of like, oh well, we put it, we put we put it in your face that we're really pulling one over on you. 
but uh, the public is just too dull to receive it. And so it's kind of like it's almost like a uh, sort of an out. It's like, yeah, you know, we're we're telling you what we're doing and you're not paying attention. So it, it almost gives us the right to do it to you sort of thing. That's that's kind of a to paraphrase it. But uh, yeah, anyway, that excerpt from Wag the Dog, I think, is pertinent to the to the video I put out because of that bit of dialogue there that I just played between the the, the character. I think his name is Con- Conrad Breen, and he's the guy that uh, handles the situation. And yeah, we need a war to distract from the president's uh, indiscretions there with this underage girl, and uh, you know. So what are we going to do? Well, we just kind of just make one up. And we go hire a Hollywood producer guy that was played by, uh, um, uh, what's the guy's name? Real famous actor. Uh, man, I can't believe I, I forgot his name, but okay. There's De Niro and there's, uh, Hoffman, Hoff, yeah, uh, Hoffman in there. Uh, and he's the Hollywood producer guy that they go to and they say, yeah, we need a war. How, how is this war going to play out? But that, that bit of dialogue there and the idea, cause we talk about this as far as these events that are paraded out in the media, trumpeted in the media and blown all out of all proportion and really pounded in people's heads, you know, being scripted fake their hollywood style their productions and uh and touching on the content of that video where uh if you haven't seen it check it out hoaxbusterscall.com and there's a link to the top at the top of the page it's will take you to the youtube channel where uh yeah have that have that video there it's warning colon graphic content dot 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 question mark and, uh, yeah, I titled it that and I, I was trying, I was trying to be a little bit, uh, you know, kind of, uh, I guess provocative in the naming of it and then kind of being a little bit, uh, uh, kind of, kind of to make it kind of an enticing thumbnail and enticing hand, you know, kind of, you know, maybe people would be interested in looking at it. It's kind of, uh. Um, and that's the reason why I titled that. But anyway, uh, the, the hyper-realistic scenarios, and then these are going on all the time. And there, the, there's our, our government, uh, savior types that are participating in these things. And like we, we're, you know, when we look at this stuff and we look at the unusual, big upswing in these terrorist events coupled with these mass shooting events. And then that there's also an excellent video that I pulled a snippet out of where the dude's just breaking it down and he's saying, look at Obama and look at the number of shootings that's happened under his presidency. And just like, how can this be? And then he's the, uh, you know, anti-gun guy. And it just so happens that all these, you know, and we've, we've talked about that before and brought that up, that, that point out. And, um, but, 
this rationale, that's what I'm trying to get to. It's that, uh, I think that's, um, illustrated in that film, Wag the Dog, where he's sitting down to have the conversation with the CIA guy. And the CIA guys, hey, what's going on here? There's no war. And, you know, we know there's no war and we got satellites and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and then, uh, the, the De Niro character comes back with, um, well, you know, what's, you know, well, what good are your satellites if they're not showing a war? I mean, basically explaining to the CIA dude how, Okay, your whole livelihood and your whole existence depends on war. And, you know, we're carrying this out and we're doing this production, this pageant or what have you. And then, and, and this is only beneficial to you. You know, you may not like it. You know, I mean, you might not like our methods, but this is very beneficial to you. And it, it, it's overall a good thing. It's, it's the noble lie concept, you know as well and how that that is uh something i think that's important to understand when you're talking about government types because i don't think there's too many people that will doubt deny that government types will lie to your face and then they will do it with skill with dexterity with a straight face with a nice suit on and they're very very good at it and uh, you'd have to be completely just out of it to not acknowledge that fact. I, I think that's pretty universally accepted. Uh, so what, you know, what's the Latin phrase or the, uh, is it even Latin? Cui bono. And maybe it's, uh, maybe it's uh, from Roman times. It's cui bono. It's who benefits. Okay. Who benefits from all this? Who benefits from all this stuff? Well, certainly, this entrenched, you know, military industrial complex benefits. And, you know, this is only examining kind of one level of the, or one layer of the onion, so to speak, or what have you. But, uh, definitely the media benefits. They got something to put on. They got something to hype up and they got something to talk about endlessly and they can have their, uh, the, their commentators and stuff going on, on about terrorism and, and then, then it, then it serves the state apparatus very handily. And it's like, oh man, you know, I don't like paying all these taxes and, and, and being under the thumb of this, uh, this ever increasing, expanding government apparatus and all that. But you know what? I mean, hey, if it wasn't for them, you know, we'd be under Sharia law. And if you jump back, you know, what? 20, 30 years is like, if it wasn't for them, we'd all be speaking Russian because the Russian red, the reds would, the reds and the commies would get us. And yeah, prior to that, it was something else. And prior to that was something else. So it's, 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 it's standard is what I'm trying to say. But yeah, that piece of dialogue in that film, I think really, really illustrates it. Well, it's like, yeah, it, it's fake. Yeah. There's no war and it's fake. And, but you know, do you really have a problem with it, Mr. CIA guy? Or, and I, I think he could represent the sort of every man of, you know, it, it, the entrenched establishment, you know, the government or, you know, and all its different alphabet agencies. You know, it's, I think that, that, that film was, was speaking directly to them. And, uh, 
yeah, in that video that I that I put together, where I'm just inter interspersing snippets from the Boston bombing, and then this you know more recent uh, San Bernardino shooting, and then the guys talking about yeah, the members of Kraft International were on the scene, and we've talked about them before, and how they're kind of. Uh, forte is this hyper-realistic training and that's what they specialize in and, and they call themselves the craft, which also just happens to be uh, another name for Freemasonry. And uh, yeah, and we had the, the Freemason at the scene at San Bernardino. We had Craft International at the scene at San Bernardino. We have the uh, the big shoot 'em up that was out in, in the street theater production with a clear, clearly a government vehicle. I mean, for crying out loud, it had blinking headlights. Okay, where are you going to go rent a car that you can flip on the hazards and the headlights blink? It's just not going to happen. And then coupled with like extra dark tint. You're not going to get that at a rental car place. It's not going to happen. But they're saying, oh, yeah, it's a rental car. And, yeah, of course, a big, fat training exercise, uh, quote-unquote, gone live. And, yeah, I mean, for listeners of the Hoaxbusters call, I mean, this is all pretty much... If you've listened to several calls, past calls, this is pretty much par for the course as far as what we talk about. Um, but I did want to add that to that that video, and I wanted to um, like point out that that particular piece of dialogue fits with that rather nicely because you you you, you got to wonder like, okay, yeah, the justification for doing this like okay who benefits why is this going on uh we see a rap uh, a ramping up of this of this type of thing and uh so you got the alternative media out there that are kind of taking the taking the position that yeah this is uh really a MK Ultra type situation where you got all these MK Ultra mind control patsies that are just kind of waiting to be triggered and and that idea was like you can go back into oh, older films and stuff like that then the Manchurian Candidate film and all that stuff and and yeah I don't really buy into that I, I just don't think that that's how this is, stuff is going down I really don't. Um, the the stage managed production i think is a more a much more viable uh sort of context to put this stuff in and uh it fits and if you'll notice too they're always going to give you the bait like with sandy hook or boston bombing it's like Oh, we know there was more people involved, and then oh, uh, yeah, the see the government's covering that up. And I think it, JFK assassination is a good template for that, where you have all these, you know, 
speculation going on. Oh yeah, who was involved? Who was shooting from the grassy knoll and all that stuff? And it's like, and you and you step back and think about that for a minute. It's like, okay, why do they have to go through any of that? Okay, so the Warren Commission was in was obviously covering something up or doing some some shenanigans. Obviously, I mean that's obvious to most people who've looked at that. But then you ever ask yourself why? Okay, if you're going to go ahead and and do a cover up, why not put Oswald at the put Oswald at the grassy knoll? You're already lying about him anyway. Why not say yeah he was at the grassy knoll and we caught him at the school book depository at the coke machine, and they just can skew the timeline a little bit and say oh yeah he had plenty of time to go down there do the shooting and run back and get a coke. Even if the timing doesn't fit, you know, it's like, just put it out there, whatever. People believe generally whatever you tell them anyway, if you're an authority. So maybe the guy, uh, I don't know, maybe it was, maybe Oswald was coked up or something. He could, he could really, really run really, really fast down the grass and they'll shoot and come back and not even be out of breath, whatever. Just, yeah. Why do you have to have all this very, very convoluted, sort of cover up his storyline. Was that even necessary? It's like, I don't really think so. If, if you're covering up and making crap up, why not put Oswald at the grassy knoll where it makes more sense that, you know, Kennedy's head went back and to the left or whatever, back and to the left, you know, like it says in the uh, Oliver Stone film, back and to the left. It's like, yeah, back and to the left, but why, why not put Oswald there at the grassy knoll? It'd be a simple matter, right? Not not too hard to do. I mean, you're 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 skew you're skewing the whole thing anyway, and and manipulating and managing the situation to suit whatever thing you want it to. Because you're the Warren Commission, you can do whatever you want, tell whatever story you want. So so why was it so incre- incredibly sort of convoluted and complicated? Well, that was looking at it now. That's that's part of all this stuff. That's how it works, you know. You're giving a you're 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 also you're given the what's put out there for the general public, and then you're given also the uh, alternative, and both of them are manufactured. And that's that's hard for some people to grasp. But yeah, same with the San Bernardino thing. It's like, oh yeah, there's multiple shoot, multiple shooters, more than what they ended up killing, and then uh, conflicting eyewitness testimony and. Same thing as Sandy Hook, same thing with Boston Bomb, same thing with Aurora, th- same thing with all these things. These, these m- multi-layered narratives that play alongside each other that conflict. And so that if you're looking into it, you're going to think, yeah, the government's covering it up and yeah, people really died and something really happened, but they're, they're covering it up. They're covering it up. And then, uh, you know, and so you think you're really onto something, but you're just, you just peeled back another layer, the onion of the deception. But but the whole entire thing is fabricated, and that's one thing they don't want to let out of the bag. But, okay, what is your proof of that, Chris? It's like, well, it's cir- circumstantial. I mean, um, I don't know. It looks like John dropped off. Maybe he'll try calling back in, but you know, and I'll bring him on here in a minute because uh yeah i just wanted to get a couple of these points out of the way um just stuff i was thinking about and then uh 
this this one more thing I think is pretty interesting that I I, I think <coughs> oh excuse me um that I think could tie into all this and and maybe uh shed some light on some things or something on how how this stuff gets carried out and and, and why but um yeah the the multiple narratives and uh yeah we saw that with sandy hook and of course there's drills drills going on nearby and there's always drills and with the gifford shooting i think is uh has a lot of elements into it and has definitely enough circumstantial evidence to drive home that that was a completely staged hoax event we saw her get part of her skull shot off. She had to go through some like special procedure that was detailed throughout the narrative after the so-called shooting. We had Grey's Anatomy was a television series that came out with the same scenario, like a week prior or, or within days of the Gifford shooting of a mass shooting taking place out of college. And uh, the shooter's name was Jared and the shooter in the Giffords, uh, situation was Jared or it could be vice versa but anyway yeah we have that and then then one of the victims in the television show got part of her skull shot off and they describe a procedure that is like identical to what uh, Giffords went through with freezing part of the skull and that preserves it and then we could tack it back on staple the skull back on or whatever they do um so you're going to tell me that the MK Ultra Giffords and the the shooter was a mind-washed patsy and then he is so adroit that he can skillfully and expertly just shave part of her skull off with a bullet and then that could be reflective of the foreshadowing in the popular television no 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 both are fake that's the best explanation and and you know oh does that mean that they're all fake is that conclusive proof they're all fake it's like well no but um you got to ask yourself okay so if if they're going to carry out a shooting and everyone thinks it's real like the Giffords one which is absolutely not i mean look at this guy, a YouTuber, uh, Postal, P, P, Paul, like named Paul Postal Service on YouTube. And yeah, look at his Giffords, look at his Giffords clips that he's got on there on YouTube. And, um, she's using the same scripted lines over and over. And she's playing that she's mentally, you know, stunted there with her brain injury, but. Yeah, she's obviously reading uh, reading scripted, pre-prepared like jokes, like getting the name, getting the word yogurt confused with the word yogurt, yogurt and the word yoga, and 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 in different interviews and in different stage performances, she uses that same misspoken word joke, but she's she's coming across as if it's like part of her handicap, like her, you know, her, 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 her retardation after getting shot in the head. Like, yeah, uh, 
you know, she like turned to her husband, yo, yogurt. No, no honey, yoga. Ah, yo, yoga. It's like obviously a scam. It's a put on. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and she wasn't shot in the head. And yeah, and, and, and they didn't, they didn't MK alter her to reflect what Grey's Anatomy foreshadowed. But, but so th- it's pointing to this mechanism that's in place to carry out fake stage and hoax, de- hoax things and present them as real to the public. And they're incorporated with drills and presented as real. They're drills that quote unquote go live. And, uh, so why do you need to actually really kill people? I mean, would they do it if they needed to? Yeah, I don't think that'd be a big deal, no problem. Could they get, you know, law enforcement and the people in there to go along with mass murdering civilians sort of on a regular basis, like with all these shootings? So it's really the FBI and, the, you know, at least the upper echelons and stuff that are in on it. And so they're they're deliberately going out and participating in the mass murder of civilians. That's hard. That's kind of hard to believe. But the idea that they're, they're conducting staged drills, hyper-realistic training, and they quote unquote go live. And then there's all this confusion. And then, you know, like not all participants are in on the joke. That's, that's more believable. But then, you know, a question arises, and whatever the case, you know this stuff is staged. Whatever the case, you know, you'd have to agree that this stuff is just not coincidental. So it's like, what about all the drills that correspond with these shootings? It's absolutely ridiculous. Every single one have a drill, along with the quote-unquote real event, with the same scenario. So this is something that, I've noticed that reoccurs. It, it's in films. I just read an article by Jay Dyer. He's talking about the Minority Report, and uh, this idea that uh, oh, also there's this uh, movie I recently watched, the Judge Dredd remake, because they made a terrible film in the. I guess nineties with Sylvester Stallone and they did a remake, a recent one. And, uh, I guess it's not as terrible, but whatever. But, uh, in that film too, they have this cop or future cop or whatever. They call them judges in the future. Cause yeah, we don't need no court and procedure. This cops are judge jury in the future. Cops will be judge jury and executioner. And I mean, that, that sounds pretty familiar nowadays, doesn't it? But, yeah, they just go out and say, oh, guilty, and then just, yeah, blow your head off. A couple of interesting things in that in that movie, but one of the interesting things was that, okay, this new rookie is female. She's got psychic powers. And with the minority report, it's like the, the psychics foretell when crime is going to happen, and then the good guys can come in and save everybody, save the victims. And a crime doesn't even have to be committed. We just, you know, they just know it's going to be committed and, and they're psychic. And, and this is like a reoccurring theme in these like kind of, kind of sci-fi future dystopian films. And, um, 
And there's also happens to be a, uh, a government program that uh, operates off of artificial intelligence and then all the data that's input. And, um, yeah, I don't have the name of it handy, but, uh, um, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and unmute the callers. If y'all would hang on for about five more minutes after I unmute you. Um, I got feedback coming through, so you can fix that. Whoever's feedbacking. Okay, can I comment on some of the things you've already said? Uh, who's who's calling? This is Corey. Okay, yeah, hang on. Is this New York? Yeah, uh, California. Oh, Southern California? Yeah. And then we got Paul. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, um, yeah, let me, let me just finish up this one thing, cause, uh. Okay, but I don't, I can't stay here, you know, for another seminar, so, uh, I mean, I wouldn't all do respect. Okay, then I'm gonna put you on mute, and then you can choose to listen or drop off or whatever, but, yeah, um, so they got these, artificial intelligent computers systems that are pro- supposedly predict crime right and and you th- and you're thinking about okay okay the drills go live and then we got all these participants in these drills of course the law enforcement and all that i just i just have to wonder and this is like you know this is speculation but i i think it's I think it's a pretty good, pretty good analysis as far as what, what this can actually be used for and what it actually could be, um, be doing as far as helping along the, the psychological operations and, and getting the, the, the participation of the law enforcement and, and the government and all that is that, you know, this idea, and, and I think this is total, science fiction flim flam baloney myself that they could predict crime and they put algorithms and that's just nonsense. I, I don't buy it. Uh, uh, but, but I know that especially people in government and the work in government and, you know, and, and then population in general, I think we understand that like they'll pretty much believe just, just about whatever they're told as long as it's coming from the, the top down. You know, so if they tell them that, yeah, we got artificial intelligence and it's predicting crime and that's how we're always there, you know, right on the scene, you know, it's, it's pretty good. So we can kind of be there like in the case of San Bernardino, like we were conducting drills every month. That's that's because we knew that there was going to be a shooting there. But, you know, our algorithms are a little bit off and, you know, we hit it about right. And we got there a little bit late and 14 people got killed. But, uh, yeah, that's why we're always on the scene with all these shootings and and there just happens to be FBI, ATF and, you know, snipe sniper forces and full blown militarized police on the scene, you know, at the ready, you know, every time one of these go down cause, cause artificial intelligence. Um, yeah, I, I think that, that there, there's propaganda that's directed towards the people in, 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 in those positions. And and I think that's what that artificial intelligence, uh, 
uh, what what do they, what do they call it? Like a psychic or prescient or uh, you know can for could foretell crime and all that. I think that's, that's what that's about. I, I think that because there's, there has to be some, even if it, even if it's totally ridiculous and plausible, which nothing is totally ridiculous and plausible. If, if it's coming from an authoritative source, generally speaking, like if they tell you, yeah, building seven fell and it wasn't even really just, it was just sitting there smoldering and it just collapses on its own footprint. If we tell you that that, happened because of those planes hit the other buildings then you just better believe it you know and then the other building the the two towers fell from fires and the, the plane can go in and come out the other side and all that fantastical fairy tale not bullshit nonsense people just believe it because yeah that that's just too unacceptable to consider the fact that maybe we're just being just really just just, just being being uh, hoodwinked, or or it's just not it's, it's, that's not going to cross people's minds. So, yeah, artificial intelligence is predicting this stuff, and that's how we're at the scene every time. Because you got to have something. I mean, come on. Because they got to know. They got to know to some extent. You know, I got those phone calls where I called the. FBI in Charleston, and I'm asking them about this. Yeah, how about these drills? And they're always coincide with these events, you know, Charleston, uh, Aurora, uh, Sandy Hook, Boston bombing, uh, 7-7, 9-11, all of these, all of these had drills going on at the same time. Uh, What say you on that, sir? Yeah, nothing to see here. No, yeah, we have drills all the time, blah, blah, blah. So I just wonder if he's thinking in the, in the back of his mind. So it's because we got we got foreknowledge, we got artificial intelligence, we got programs that tell us where to be, when, and and we could be at the ready and and, and come in and and save the day. Usually, a- after you know fourteen, fifteen, twenty people have already been murdered, but you know it would have been a lot, lot worse. There probably been like six or seven hundred people. You know, that, um, uh, what's his name? What of, uh, the little scrawny 90 pound weakling autistic dude? Um, what's his name, Paul? Lanza, Lanza, Adam Lanza. Adam Lanza would have probably killed the entire town of, of Newton, Connecticut if they weren't, you know, able to be on the scene. Like he probably would have just mass murdered the entire town, you know, cause they, you know, that there, you know, before they could even get there, he'd already laid waste to like twenty, what, twenty six people or something like that, twenty kids and six adults or something like that. Um, so yeah, if if they would have let that, if they would let that cat go a little bit longer, maybe another hour or so or thirty minutes, even he he probably would have had the body count up to you know in the multiple hundreds, but uh. Yeah, yeah, I, I just, I, I just wonder if that's not the case. If that's what um, the, this whole thing kind of gives it some kind of realm of plausibility, because uh, you know, it, 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 at this point, with the San Bernardino thing being another one, 
with coinciding with another drill. I mean, how many examples do you have to have before it, it just becomes so ridiculous? Absolutely. It's already ridiculous. It's already just so astronomically inconceivable as a coincidence. You see what I mean? But, uh, yeah, let me play this, uh, let's play this little bumper real quick. And then we'll talk to, like, Paul from New York is the only one on now. We'll talk to Paul for a minute. Jones here. Well, no, I'm not busy fighting the war. I'm listening to Hoaxbusters Call at hoaxbusterscall.com. <laughs> Join the discussion by dialing 724-447-444. Call ID 90337. You're on the air. Go ahead. All right. How you doing? Hey, good, man. <coughs> wow. Well, you know, I'm sitting here listening to you talk about these shootings. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think especially I think what resonated with me the most is, you know, all these shootings, they just start to get dull after a while. You know, it's just like, oh, my God. And you do kind of feel... Well, maybe there is something wrong with me. Every time one, you know, the first thing I think, like with San Bernardino, well, there's another fake one. And you figure, you know, like one of them has to be real. And you start doubting yourself. It's like, oh, well, I want these people who just think everything's fake. And, you know, I, I, I mean, but that's the first thing I think. And, and like I said, it just, and there seems to be some kind of, I, I, I mean, I'm not sure what the, what the, the ultimate agenda would be um, behind there. I, I don't think it's. Um, I, I think I think it's too simplistic to say gun control. I think that might be part of it, but uh, there's no way that uh, if this is all orchestrated, that this is all about um, you know disarming the American population. Uh, you know, I think it might have. Um, you know, some kind of, well, I mean, I think one thing, uh, what I was about to say was that when you talk about building seven, uh, and, you know, okay, we're just going to tell, uh, we're, we're just going to tell you that, well, a building can collapse if a plane flies into another building a block away. And, uh, that building is going to look just like we did a controlled demolition. And, um, you know, that's physics and uh case closed. Um, I, I, you know, the first thing I think is that's just, and I've talked about, I've mentioned this before, that's just part of the con that you're going to accept that balderdash. So, like, we're just, you know, like, just from the get-go, rather than, you know, to have, you know, to tell some story that has obvious holes in it, um, we're just going to... um tell you all this balderdash at the beginning and um, you're just going to accept it. And that's the way it's going to be because uh, uh, we're going to close ranks behind it. And um, 
that's uh, and, and it is too much of a horror, I think, for the average person to come to terms with uh, authority uh, telling uh, you know that big of a line. If they they will just accept it. Yeah, well, that's that's why I go on. Uh go on and on about that a lot about uh oh authority and what it what that even means and what the government even what the what the concept of government even is and and uh because you know this is where this sort of emanates from and this is why people believe a lot of things that they believe because it comes down from an authority or, or what's perceived as an authoritative source, and I think the the mass media is uh, is an example of that. The, the of course, certainly the quote unquote government, and you know when you have those two entities, which are actually just extent that you know the media is just an extension of the 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 power, the the the, the, the established power, whatever that. Whatever, whatever, however you want to define that. That's right. Sure, and that's how, and that's how it reads. I mean, it's like if you, you know, subconsciously, I think everybody recognizes if it's coming out of the anchor's mouth on CBS, that in some sense has the tacit uh, acceptance of the of the U.S. government, or else it wouldn't be coming out of that anchor's mouth. And uh, and so, therefore, it does have that authority. I, I don't think anybody reads, you know. It, on a subconscious level, I'm talking about. I don't think anybody reads like the the you know reportage of CNN, CBS, ABC as these you know private entities who are you know investigating stuff. They read that as like, okay, we can say what we're saying because it's the truth, and if it wasn't the truth, then we wouldn't be saying it, right? That's the that's the, the what you're buying when you're when you're uh, watching that news. Yeah, it. That that's what really propels this stuff because I don't I don't think that uh, I, I try to make this point before it's like if you were presented with something along the lines of what you're presenting with on television, like in, in real life, you know, or maybe maybe your na- your neighbor's describing like like uh, you know his, his wife was just shot and killed, brutally murdered, and then. Like he's telling you about it, and then he's and then he's like a, a smirk. He's smiling, and then you know he kind of like maybe he's not he's not crying. He's not shedding any tears, and he's not showing any like uh, appropriate emotions and stuff like that. You would think, man, something is really wrong here. Something is really really seriously wrong. I don't know what it is, but this does not make any sense. But you know, if it comes from uh, an authoritative source like the government and the and the media and stuff like that, you know, and, and they're showing this to us over and over again, where they're parading out these people and these you know victims and stuff like that, and they don't shed tears and they and they and they and they're showing the 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 smile, the inappropriate smiling and the and and even laughter, giggling or you know, and the smirking. It's like. Would people buy that if it wasn't from that source? No, I don't think so. I really don't. I really don't. And like nine eleven, and if you go back and look at that, I mean, you, you talk about some really piss poor actors. 
that are recounting their horrendous tales of, oh, surfing down the rubble and oh, the, yeah. the wing of the plane got lodged in my door and I jumped under my desk and on and on and on these preposterous stories with with delivered to you by way of like really low grade acting and script reading and it's really just kind of uh sloppy and and you know and I think it's because they just simply aren't able to find good quality actors they or they probably would use better actors but there's no need to because they know that the if it's coming from a quote unquote authoritative source that the presentation is really kind of like a afterthought you know right 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 i mean the main work goes into uh you know presenting that brand as a credible uh uh, uh brand right like cnn fox etc and uh whatever and that that um, I'm sure they do, you know, whatever psychological studies they need to do. I think the, you know, that's, uh, you know, the, the visual presentation, uh, of that is important. And, um, you know, just, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I've remarked often, uh, uh, that I, one of the things that's been the biggest surprise of me about the computer age is the uh, despite the uh, sudden availability of all these different media sources, people just don't want to. They want to listen to, you know, Fox, ABC, NBC, and uh, CNN, Drudge Report. Um, you know, like, uh, and, and that's one of the newer ones. But that, you know, got like, uh, uh, um, you know, this cachet. I don't know how they do it. But that got this cachet, and they don't really like branch out into anything beyond that. So, and and and, and because they people do want to believe, you know, I think it's a deep seated belief that people do want to believe that the the government is good or that you know the authorities are good. They have our best interests at heart. Um, I mean, I heard one person comment that the reason they watched CNN was because CNN was completely neutral, right? They they didn't take a side. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, but that's why, you know, like, but, but they want, you know, to feel like that they have the authoritative source. Like the New York Times, I think, is probably the, the, the best example of, uh, uh, you know, people. And there's a, an interesting example of people believing that they're the, the intelligentsia and they're, you know, like getting the, the, the real authority. Uh, and in fact, it's just more balderdash. It's my new favorite word, balderdash. Yeah, balderdash. That's a good word. Uh, um, I mean, look at the moon landings in 1969 for freak's sake. I mean, look at the, look at the, go back and look at that footage. I mean, it's so ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous, but. You know, it's okay. like, but that people believe it because of it, of its source, and only because of its source. If it came from any other, came from any other uh, venue or uh, any other uh, other than officialdom, then people would uh, absolutely reject it. That's that's B grade 
uh, according to standards now, of course, you know, that's, that's some B grade special effects. Right. Maybe pretty good for its day. And then when they, when they exhibit it to the public, they, they even went so far as to like take a, take a, take a broadcast camera, television camera, and, um, then do a projection on, do a, a screen and then shoot the, 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 the film projected image from the broadcast camera so that it was extra crappy and, uh, degraded to the extreme. And then they show that to, then they broadcast that on television. Oh. So yeah, they were extra careful to really, you know, crap it up. And then, but you can go back and look at the, uh, the better resolution stuff in, in, in comparison. And, and it's still, still not very, very good with the exception of maybe some stills and stuff like that. But, uh, it, or some of, some of the, some of the footage, but it's like, yeah, that, that absolutely looks hoaxed and staged and shot in a studio. And, but you know, why, why do people believe it? Because, you know, again, it's from NASA NASA wouldn't lie to us, except for the fact that it's an extension of the military, and the military is notorious for all kinds of lies throughout history. But you know, but on this, on this thing, you know, they they absolutely must be believed for some reason, because um, the idea to a lot of people is that it's still oh, it's just absolutely preposterous that they would do something like that, but. No, it's not really. No, I mean, it just makes, I was explaining this to somebody uh, delicately when I talk about this, these subjects, I hope. Um, I'm a firm believer uh, of, um, you know, not uh, forcefully promulgating these subjects. Um, sometimes it'll, It'll come up and, and I'll, I'll will delicately say, now I'm not saying I believe this is true, but, uh, and I was talking about the flat earth and, um, uh, the flat earth theory. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I was, I was pointing out and, and then, you know, it is interesting, you know, somebody's, you know, most people have never even heard of this and the, you know, see the, 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 the guffawed react, you know, just the, and, and, and this, this, I, you know, you get the same reaction, um, like from, you know, uh, you know, 9-11 and all this stuff is just, just like this kind of sneering laughter, right? It's uh, like, like Fox News, right? It's like that personality has been inculcated, you know, it's just like that, you know, like, but it's, I mean, it was so shocking to see Fox News when it first came on the air, um, you know, that, that sneering, and, uh, uh, you know, like, and that's the exact reaction. Um, and it's understandable. If, if I say the, the world's flat, right? Okay. You know, like, uh, that's, uh, you, you know, but it, it's just kind of, um, that value judgment. It's not, not even, okay, well, you know, what, what information do you have? It's not like this neutral thing. It's just like, uh, like a very, um, you know, uh, uh, like, uh, like a, a flip down. Anyway, so I was talking about this, and uh, uh, you know, and I one of the things I and, and and it's like, well, why? You know, the next question is, you know, uh, uh, or you know, why would they go to the trouble of, of doing all this? 
And it's like, well, if you think about it from a military point of view, if I got you where you don't even know where you are, I've got you living in my fictitious universe, right? I, that is obviously desirable from a military point of view. I can come out of nowhere from your, from, from, because you don't even know. So you think you're on a different planet and I've got you talking about birds and stones when there's columns of soldiers coming your way. Yeah. That's what you want. You don't want like a prepared, informed enemy. So, and, and so that's, and so this kind of deception is, uh, uh, you know, it's just, it's just logical. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. And so far too, like, uh, I was going on about before, like who, who benefits from all this. And certainly the con, the, the, this concept or notion of the state or government and stuff is, is the big beneficiary, no doubt. I mean, look at the expansion of the, of government agencies and all that under the pretext that, you know, it's, yeah, we got to do this. And yeah, we got this, this, uh, tremendous enemy that's out there and it's like, uh, and we can't pinpoint it to one particular uh country or what they call states interestingly enough they call country states um but then you know we we got to keep you protected from from this threat and uh but see this is nothing new in a lot of respects i i think it's new in the in the intensity of this this current re- of revision of this ongoing theme that's i think been from the beginning of of this so-called country where there's always been some sort of an enemy threat and we talked about that before with um the uh the jacobians right immediately after the so-called Declaration of Independence was signed off on. And then, yeah, they immediately started with that. Like, yeah, we got to jail people and we got to, we got to, we got to bypass due process. And I, I think even George Washington himself, uh, publicly made statements to that effect, you know, oh, this threat is so serious that, you know, we, we can't, we can't allow these, particular individuals that are classified in a certain way, you know, like these, uh, Jacobians or whatever, whatever they were, they were, they were, in other words, they were some kind of perceived threat, you know? So, yeah, you know, you have all these rights and you have all this quote unquote due process until a threat comes along. And then it's like, everything's off the table. We can't, we can't be letting people have any of this stuff because it's, it's too dangerous. And that was from the that was from the word go. That was from the very beginning. Right. Nothing's well, you have sense. to keep. It, it's not easy to keep political power. You know, it is dangerous. It's dangerous to those, and you know, like like th- certain things are certainly dangerous to those in political power. So, and yet, yeah, just like absolute freedom of you know absolute freedom 
I mean, the next thing that's going to happen is that, you know, your enemies are going to take it, and you will have enemies if you're in political power. Your enemies are going to take advantage of that. Yeah, and then, you know, there has to be a threat. There has to be a constant, continual, perceived threat. And we've always had that. We've, we've always had that. And that's, I think that is, that is just a component of, you know, living within this thing called civilization. Yeah. And how we're all kept in line. And, and I think that's, that's a very important component of that. And, uh, yeah, I think they do want to, um, eventually, I don't know how long it, it's going to take, how long this process is going to take, but yeah, I think they eventually will, uh, pretty much for the most part, disarm everybody in the United States. Um, like, yeah, like I said, how long it takes, I don't know, but that, I think that's definitely a goal. That, that seems like it would just be a natural goal of, of, of the people who are now in power. It's like, yeah, we really don't see that as a big threat to us, but we, we just don't really want people having the ability to do much for themselves outside of the, you know, protective wing of the, uh, the the ever loving state, you know. I, I, I think that's just a this ongoing theme. I think it, I think I we talked about this uh, on on another call, and I think it's more of a um and kind of what I got from that uh, previous conversation was that this disarming is probably more of a psychic uh, a psyop type uh, thing than it is like an actual military concern. Um, because obviously there's still going to be probably more, you know, just the, the, the number of guns and, you know, that are available to the populace are, are going to be just as high. And, uh, uh, and when you're talking about the resources of, of, of something like the United States Army, um, you know, uh, uh, shotguns and whatnot are, are, are not really going to be that effective unless, uh, I mean, I guess there's the, Possibility that that uh, you know some uh, 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 somebody amongst the populace would set themselves up as some kind of a uh, uh, general, but I, I just don't see I don't see that as a realistic possibility. So the only you know possible motivation that I see, and I, I you know what do I know? But this is just the, the, the way I'm thinking now. It is that you know like uh, like I'm saying, just that there's like something about. The idea of, uh, you know, an armed populace or there's some, uh, um, you know, psychic stance that having arms engenders that, um, is, is, is disadvantageous to the, the, uh, rulers. Yeah. That's all I can come up with. Yeah. I think the, I think the theme is an ever increasing dependency. On yeah. the system, like you, you really are in a lot of different ways discouraged from being, you know, self-sufficient, uh, able to protect yourself, you know, you know, and they, and, and they go through a lot of effort to communicate that to the, to the public. Like, yeah, if, you know, we have a mass shooting and they, and then they put out these ridiculous, uh, public service so-called, Commercials and stuff like that that are just blatant propaganda, but they say, yeah, okay, if a mass shooter 
comes into your workspace, you need to run, you need to hide, call the authorities, wait for them to but get there duck to and save cover. you, duck and cover. So actually, when you kind of step back and think about it, it's like, yeah, we want to, everybody in general needs to be, you know, disarmed. We don't really, they really don't want you carrying your own firearm under, but we're under this uh, delusion that, you know, you have a right to conceal carry, which some, some people do. I know people that do conceal carry, but um, for, for a lot of people, it, it, it is just impractical because of these, you know, gun free zones, which are just ridiculous. But uh, I think that they're there to serve the purpose of discouraging people from concealed carry. Cause like, Oh, well I can still carry. But when I go pick up my uh, kids at the schoolhouse, I, I better be sure not to have my firearm on me because that's a gun-free zone. And if I go within, you know, a thousand yards of a school, I can get in big, big trouble. Uh, if I go around a courthouse or a government building, I could be in big, big trouble. So it, it, it's just this uh, sort of big deterrent that's that that's there. Can't bring into a theater. Can't bring into a lot of different places of business. You can't. You know, it's it's just a big uh, pain in the ass. And then, uh, but they can still at the same time uh, pay lip service to this concept of, oh, yeah, you got rights, you got freedom, and they're, they're, they're quote-unquote, enshrined in this thing called the Constitution. And then they could keep that delusion alive, you know, this delusion called the Constitution, and then keep keep people appealing to that because that, that that's mm-hmm. really like the actually in reality that that's the uh tool of your enslavement this whole concept of a constitution or this this rule of law they call it but there's you know if, if okay if you really have a right and then you know the the government is not supposed to infringe on that right that means i carry mm-hmm. it whenever i want wherever i want it's a right right i got a right to breathe air if i'm at a school yard i can breathe air if i'm at a courthouse i can breathe air if i have a right to do it i have a right to do it there's no there's no equivocating on that right but there's all this equivocation and all these stipulations and all these caveats and stuff that surround this so-called right well it's not really a right then is it no absolutely not never has been but uh as long as they can keep that delusion going and people acquiesce to it that you know Instead of just like, okay, I'm just going to pretty much do what I know in my heart is right and fuck this thing called the law, which uh, people do on many different levels anyway, except for they don't acknowledge it, uh, then then it would be a whole different ballgame altogether. But no, people will comply. They believe in this thing called law and order and, and this and that and the other thing and they and they and they comply but uh and, and and it's largely out of fear of what the repercussions will be if they don't but yeah that's but yeah it's, it's about it's about dependency being more dependent you, you know they want they want everybody being you know ever increasingly more dependent on the system yeah certainly i think gun gun ownership is uh just a, just another aspect of that. It's just another. It's just another way that they can make you more. So it's absolutely ridiculous to like. Oh, we have a 
you know, a terrorist or whatever, or a shooter. So what are we going to do? You know, you can't carry guns in this. So we're, we're, we're all disarmed. We're, we're going to call people that have guns to come and take care of it for us. But they're, they're the authorized people that are authorized to carry guns by the state. And it's like, that, that's just preposterous. Makes, makes so much more sense to like encourage, you know, get rid of gun free zones and encourage everybody to conceal carry as much as possible. So yeah, we really want people to conceal carry now because of this threat that that would be the way to handle it, you know, in a very, uh, realistic, very practical, very, uh, sound level headed way. Because, you know, if, if somebody is going to, gonna fall in line with what the law says they're they're not the type that are obviously not going to be going around shooting a bunch of people but see this is a perceived threat it's not even real so we're not even talking about something that's a a, a real right. legitimate that's another, so, so you're talking about these i mean that's I mean, just now as we're talking about this or you know all of a sudden you're talking about like is it these school shootings are all real so and they're right. not even they're not even real see i mean but you can get pulled into this narrative that's been created and uh, take take a side on the, you know, gun control debate or whatever. And uh, so you, you're just participating in this dialectic process, which is right. you know, you're never going to come out the winner on this process. Right. Talk, talk, talking about birds and stones, right? Not even, you know, like, like uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, not even like starting to get it. Like what the, it's it's just so hard to find. You know what the what the real what the real issue is. I I think one of the things you just said uh, uh, was uh, uh, interesting. That that you know like uh, you kind of implied that the whole gun control issue, the whole concealed carry issue, could just be um, uh, 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 a device to. Um, Give legitimacy, uh, uh, the, the aura of legitimacy to the law and the Constitution, right? Because this all does become about the Constitution. So the ultimate message there for people is, see, we do have a Constitution. See, people are arguing. There are like vital debates. See, you know, well, we can carry guns and, and this is, this just goes to show the, the, you know, righteousness of, um, of, of the law. So I don't know if that's the entire, but I, yeah. that's an, an aspect that I had not considered. Yeah, I think that's what it what it mainly serves to do. It's like uh, I talked about this before with uh, I, I kind of did analysis of the American freedom to fascism Aaron Russo documentary about the Federal Reserve and all that. And, uh, you know, it goes into how, OK, yeah, the 16th Amendment was never really ratified. So. The, the income tax is unconstitutional and blah, 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 and on and on. And it's, it's unconstitutional. It's bad. It's like, okay. So we already have the, this perceived authority, the Congress and the president. I mean, they could overnight ratify it if they want to. What's, what's stopping them from doing it? You got to ask yourself the why, you know, like, okay, why wouldn't they go ahead and, ratify it or do a midnight session of Congress, just like how the Federal Reserve was created and say, oh, yeah, we ratified it. No, we're good to go now. We're all we got all our uh, I's dotted and our T's crossed, which is just ridiculous. I mean, what difference does it make? 
It doesn't make any difference whether it was ratified or whether it wasn't. It makes absolutely no difference. But what is, what is that, <coughs> what does that do to, to people who are looking at that documentary and her, who are participating in that kind of, uh, dialogue there about the Constitution and all that stuff? It, 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 it's like, the Constitution is under attack, and the way to establish something oftentimes is to attack it, and then people rally to its defense. But it's right, actually the, the right. yeah, and that's that's a very common tactic to get people to to go along with uh, whatever it happens to be. It's like, oh yeah, we got attacked. I mean, they keep repeating that over and over. We got attacked, meaning the government, the establishment, the system took a hit on nine eleven. And so what do people do? The presidential approval, I think it really did. I think the presidential approval rating went way up because that that's people's kind of, I guess, tribal instincts or whatever it is. It's like they're going to rally to the defense of the one who's attacked, right? Right. Yeah, and that's just that's psychological warfare. I think elementary psychological warfare. Same thing with this th- same thing con- called the Constitution. It's always under attack. You notice that? The Constitution is right. always under attack. Yeah, it's always under attack. But that's people rally to its defense, and then they uh, prop. Then thereby they help prop up and sustain this fiction called right. the Constitution. And it's right. like, well, if okay, if it really is what people perceive it to be, like it's okay, it's this acknowledgement of. In, in what do they call it? Inalienable rights, meaning right. you know, your God-given rights, and that's all the Constitution simply does is to acknowledge those rights, and it, and it puts re- and it's allegedly there to restrict government, and that's really what it's for. Then there is no gun control debate, is there? But the fact no. that there is a gun control ba- debate, and the fact is that. Congress can pass laws and the president can sign executive orders to to restrict those quote unquote rights is telling you right there that the whole thing is illegitimate because the whole thing, the whole premise of the whole thing uh, props up this fiction called the government. Right. And and well, they're, they're they're supposedly appealing to this objective authority called the law and called the Constitution. But there is no such a thing. I mean, I think that the the longer I get into this, the more this word fiction becomes has a strange importance. Um, and uh, right, the government, the law—they're uh, all stories. They're all you know, just the, the, the basically you know, the fictions. And now with the you know uh, 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 Hollywood. Uh, uh, that uh, that fictionalization of things, and you were just talking about that about why the dog, uh, you know, has become a has become an industry and a and a weapon unto itself. Um, so I, you know, like, and I think that the you know might be the you know like who controls the story uh, is the uh, uh, most pertinent question to to ask. Um, and I, you know, just in, I've been thinking about, uh, you know, uh, Dave McGowan, uh, and his work, 
uh, and uh, some of the things that uh, Jan Erling's talked about in, in relation to that about music and about how these uh, you know 60s songs are, are in some ways like marching songs. They do have that like the, some kind of uh, uh, you know the, the underlying. Um, um, message uh, is uh, uh, some kind of misdirection, uh, or I can't quite. I, I don't. I I half believe what I'm talking when I talk about this. Uh, you know, I, I half believe what I'm talking about. Anyway, I can see it clear more clearly in 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 Hollywood. Um, Probably because I'm I, I don't watch movies I, I I just divorce myself from television and film I mean it, it's not like I won't watch it at all but uh, it's not something that I seek out uh, but music I I still have a strong feeling for and um, you know just noticing you know like how you know still I was just in the coffee shop today and that. You know, same James Taylor from a hundred years ago is playing. You know, twenty year old kid puts it on, listening to it. He knows James Taylor. And so wow. So um but I start talking about fiction and you know, controlling the stories and you know, you know, who you know who plays the tune. Uh and uh uh and you know, just the the role of the you know technology and media to to you know promulgate these things. And, you know, it all does come down to, you know, if, if you look at it, it's like, well, it, you know, the, the, the law, the law, medicine, you know, all this stuff, you know, that people want to believe is completely divorced from fiction, poetry, is, uh, uh, in, 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 in fact, intimately entwined with them. Yeah, there's... Um... A, a good uh, bit of dialogue that takes place in that book, 1984. I've talked about that. I got, I got it clipped out of the audio book, and, and I'll put a link to that in the on the on the the posting for this call. It'll be at hoaxbusterscall.com. But uh, yeah. I, it goes into all this, what we're talking about with the, uh, dis the discussion back and forth between Winston and O'Brien. If you're not familiar with that book, you should probably check it out or listen to that audio book. I'll put a link to that. Or I think I might just upload it into the the podcast if I can. Uh, well, my people, file might be too big, but uh, people are constantly right talking about 1984 and Brave New World in this community. It's like that's just kind of you know speaking of fiction. It's like that's just like every other podcast you hear either you know Brave New World or 1984. Yeah, because Listen. I think it touches on a lot of you know, I guess of sort of revolution, the method, or whatever you want to call it. But I, I think it touches on a lot of. Both of those books touch on a lot of, uh, uh, you know, really relevant issues as far as the nature of this thing called government or government authority and all that. And and, th and this piece of dialogue that I got clipped out, I'll, I'll put it at the end of the call, just that one, uh, it's like a, like a five-minute uh, 
piece out of there where, you know, Winston, the, the guy that's just the, the kind of regular guy that, uh, he's, he, he's being taken through this process of, uh, they're, they're trying to break him down and they're trying to get him to the, the kind of goal to, to love big brother. You know, that's the kind of the ongoing theme in this, in this, uh, piece of fiction. But, uh, so he's, he's having this discussion with O'Brien and, uh, you know, he, it, it, it comes down to, well, you know, there, there are things external to, you know, human experience because O'Brien's telling them like, well, you know, there, there's nothing outside of, you know, the re- reality that we create for you. And, uh, th- then, you know, uh, and, and beyond that, there's really nothing. And, uh, so then Winston comes back with, you know, what about, uh, you know, long ages of the, of the earth, you know, the earth, you know, we're just a speck of dust flying around in the universe and it's been here for billions, millions of years. And there was dinosaurs before us and this and that and the other thing. And then O'Brien comes back with, yeah, dinosaurs were created by 19th century scientists and it's like wow. it's like all of our it's like all this stuff wow. you believe in was created by us for you to believe in right and it's like did, uh you think the stars about evolution like that as well yeah basically and so that's it says you know there's like um you know and then o'brien tells winston it's like yeah man has always been here from the beginning and there's nothing outside his consciousness you know there's nothing but you know it uh it also says too, like you think the stars are, you know, millions of miles away. It says we could draw oh, them there and put them out further if we want. It says that's right, that's right. all. That's all because right. based on what we told you, it was. It's like it's right. not, it has nothing, nothing, nothing. None of that is has anything to do with reality. It's like it's you believe it because you were, you know, basically to paraphrase, that's believes it because he was told that. Yeah. And and. and and, uh, yeah, it's really, really, I think, pertinent to, uh, you know, these discussions. It's, it's that if you think about it, you know, political power emanates from what you can be persuaded to believe. Not, not, not what's real, but what you could be persuaded to believe. And yeah. that's what that passage out of, the, out of that out of that book it is speaking directly to that. It's like, well, you believe the earth is millions of years old. You believe you're just a speck of dust flying around uh, amongst other little small specks of dust out in this vast expanse of this thing called space and universe. And it's like, that's, that's all made up shit that our scientists made up. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he he tells Winston that. And, uh, and then, you know, I, I think it, it, what uh you know winston's response is he he has to think and he's like yeah i guess i guess that's right i don't know if that's really true or not and i've always been told that by the uh the party or the establishment Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh that's what he believed and that's uh so o'brien setting him straight on that so yeah no it's not not necessarily true if we tell you it's true it's true you know if, if i tell you that i have five fingers up and I'm holding up four fingers. It's like, that's, that's true. That's truth. You know, and in a sense, 
in, in a sense, I'm not saying in reality, but in a sense, that is true. It, 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 it sure it, is. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I, I bring this point up, you, you know, like I kind of, you know, find out in these kinds of discussions with my immediate community members, and I've, I've talked about this before. If, if, if you're in a community of a hundred people and 99 of those people believe that, you know, building seven fell because of Martians, then it fell because of Martians. That is the <laughs> truth. That's the reality for you. <laughs> Yeah, space beams or yeah, if they wanted to uh tell everybody that Osama bin Laden had a death ray up in space, people would believe it. Oh yeah, he's son of a Saudi billionaire. Yeah, I put death ray just like in that one James Bond movie. That's that's what took down the towers. It's like, yeah, they could tell people that and they'd believe it. Sure, why not? You know, it's anything, anything they could tell you. But, you know, they chose to tell you that uh, it came down from, you know, office equipment, you know, desk chairs and staplers and uh, water coolers and all that stuff were on fire. And that that causes the building to just collapse into a little small pile of rubble into its own footprint. But that's absolutely preposterous. But, you know, that's people believe that because they were told that's what happened. And, uh, and we know we know from WWF wrestling that demolition brought down the Twin Towers. Demolition brought down the Twin Towers. Uh, but um, I was going to say Honky Tonk Man, but... You guys know way too much about wrestling. Honky Tonk Man brought down the Twin Towers. No, that is the sign of a misspent youth. And notice the the two the two conspiracy theorist references in wrestling. There you got Elvis Towers demolition. Could you say that again? You broke up a little bit. Oh, I said, I said, you got Elvis and the Twin Towers and Demolition all in wrestling there. Where does Elvis come in? Talky Tonk Man. <coughs> oh, yeah, of course. Oh. Sure, I thought that would okay. The, but see, no, John, that, that was... That was just coincidence. I mean, they didn't absolutely know that the that nine eleven was going to happen, and no. uh, so that had to be just a wild coincidence. Um, you, you know, you know what I was thinking about the other day. The um, especially since I've been looking into the architectural uh, research of California. Did you know that the the guy, uh, what's his name? Uh, I was just looking him up the other day. I can't remember the Japanese guy who built the who built the um, Twin Towers, uh, the WTC complex. Yeah, yeah what's yeah. his name? Um, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, and he He's did it. Here. He based it on uh, Muslim okay. architecture. Yeah, here, here here's another here's another interesting thing I never thought about. Did you know he designed the Twin Towers in, in Century City here in Los Angeles? 
Oh, wow. No. I know the same guy. Yeah, same guy. He designed them exactly as a replica of of the, the Twin Towers in in New York. Wow. Okay. Are they constructed the same with that, like, you know, central uh, column or whatever? Or do you know that? Yeah, you, you, you can just, just Wikipedia. But here's the thing. The name of the city is Century City. Ah. And you have Twin Towers built in Century City. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, wow. By the same I didn't know that. It looks just like the World Trade Center. Yeah, no, I know this building's well. Yeah, I used to I used to deliver the in the downstairs area now, there's an Annenberg um, museum, like an art museum. I used to make deliveries there for Richie Rich shindigs. Century mm. uh, City Plaza Towers are two 44-story, 174-meter, 571 feet. Twin Towers located at 2029 and 2049 Century Park East in Century City, Los Angeles, California. Commissioned by Alcoa, the towers designed by Minoru Yamasaki and completed in 1975. So they were, yeah, right after the towers in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, the towers resemble Yamazaki's World Trade Center and their vertical black and gray lines and use of aluminum exteriors. Uh, the t- towers have an unusual triangular footprint and are landmarks that are clearly seen around Los Angeles' west side. Oh, they're like triangular. Yeah. Yeah, they're definitely iconic. I mean, right when he said that, I knew exactly what he was talking about. They're very iconic buildings. So you have the West Coast version and then the East Coast version built within, what, a couple of years of each other? Mm -hmm. Completed? No, I didn't even know this. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, that's pretty relevant information. Yeah, yeah. I was just I was looking up. I was looking up um, when, when I was looking up the uh, architects from LA. His his name came up, and I'm all, I'm all the guy who built the towers lived in LA. I'm all huh, and then. I'm all waiting. Well, he built the ones in Century City. I'm all, oh, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We talked about that before, how the, the, the stylings on the, the WTC, the, uh, the centerpiece, which was that, that spherical sculpture, um, like he, like the, the guy who, who made that is a pretty prominent artist that has those all over the place, uh, that, uh, is all reflective of Mecca. So it's yeah. basically like a recreation of Mecca with the Kaaba and all of that. Mm. And then when they, did the memorial they have the inverted cube with the waterfalls right 
And then the one twin tower, the one that replaced the two towers with the one tower, has like a uh, an Islamic minaret on the top. Yeah, and then one of the buildings built next to it now is a stairway to heaven. Have you seen that? That's that has seven levels. It's seven steps to heaven. That's at the WTC complex. Yeah, what it is like they built a building and it looks like stairs. And uh, it's the. Seven. I'm not familiar with that. I'm never. I'm not familiar with that. I'll have to look it up. Yeah, you look it up. It's, and then if you go into any Masonic lodge anywhere, they talk about Jacob's ladder, and Jacob's ladder is the seven steps to heaven, right? Because that's what the the first seven degrees of Freemasonry. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's bizarre. Yeah, that's. Have you, I'm looking at. Are it right you looking now. at that that that, stair, that stairway to heaven building? Almost 14 years after September 11th, the world finally knows what the last major tower of the massive complex fraught World Trade Center will look like. This morning, via a long story in Wire, Danish architectural wonderkind Blark Ingels unveiled this, his firm's elaborate vision for two World Trade Center. It's officially time to bid farewell to the Norman Foster Design Cluster of Diamonds. The new design for the office tower is still bounded by Vesey and Fulton Streets to the north and the south and Greenwich and Church Streets to the west and east is pur- purposely asymmetrical. It is a stair-step facade with green balconies at each setback that faces east and a more traditional glassy curtain wall that looks west towards the September 11th Memorial Plaza, One World Trade, and the Hudson River. Uh, yeah, the developer is Silverstein Properties, huh? Still, still old Larry Silverstein in in the mix there. That's that's a trip, yeah. And that's totally Masonic. Well, well, when when we were talking about the um, the Islamic features of the World Trade Center, we, you know, we were, we were talking about how the rich, you know, this is all kind of part of a ritual. But it's like a joke. It's like an in-your-face joke, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. So this whole this whole thing this whole thing's supposed to be all about Muslims attacking the United States because they hate your freedom. But then the towers themselves were constructed in an Islam in a Islamic fashion, and then they built the new tower with a minaret on top. And it's, it's it's so funny. I mean, I mean, it's just crazy when you think about it because it's all part of it's it's like it's like the the things that play themselves out in the in the fake narrative that we're fed as as real are actually playing themselves out in the architecture of the buildings as well. Okay, can I ask a question? Is this is this two World Trade Center? Is it built? Is it is it built? Because it looks like I'm looking at renderings that um, it hasn't yet been built. But is, does it exist or not? Yeah, now. Yeah, I think what? it's already uh, finalized as far as what the is plans are finalized, but it hasn't been built. Is that what I'm getting? Because I'm just confused about what I'm looking at on the net. 
this says co- projected completion date by September 2021, the 20th oh, anniversary of the attacks. I see. Uh-huh. And it looks like it is kind of like the height looks similar to the Freedom Tower, so it does still have the, you know, two tower ideas. What it, what the, what the plans I'm looking at now, I'm, it's all, all these renderings are pretty confusing about what's, uh, what the hell is real and what's not. But the, the renderings that I'm looking at now look, you know, as if it's, um, it is a, 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 maybe not exactly the, the proximity of the two uh, World Trade Centers, but it, it, close enough that they, that they relate as, as uh, twin buildings. I think this is really fitting. Guess who's bidding to be the uh, occupant of the lower half of the 2.8 million square foot tower? 21st Century Fox and New Scorp. Wow. Holy crap. Was, Very fitting, yeah. I was going to yeah. guess Demol- Demolition Inc. Craft <laughs> International. Craft International. I think they're going to get the... I think they're going to get the suite. It's pretty impressive, though. Looks nicer than what they had there before. So, out with the old and with the new, right? That's, that's, what, they say in free, that's what they say in Freemasonry. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah the Masons are really starting to, like, you know, with the flat earth day and all this stuff, it, it, they're... they're and according to the community consensus, uh, starting to, to, to vie for the title as uh, Rulers of the World, uh, which has been held by several groups. Uh, and it might well be the Masons, for all I know. But uh, I'm, they, they, they're being mentioned with increasing uh, frequency, from what I can see. Yeah, they're all the same thing. Yeah. The same I, I really don't think at the at the top rung there's any difference between them. That's yeah. why you can't. That's why when you start getting into the, you know, the Jesuits run things, the Masons, the Jews, whoever, it's it's they're all the same at the top. So even if the even if on the lower rungs there's competition or you know infighting or whatever, it's there's no difference. Yeah, in the lobby, I'm looking at, uh, they have this big open area, and there's a wall with this, I guess it's some kind of a poem or something. I wonder what this is from. It says, such such gliding wonders, such sights and sounds, such joined unended links, each hooked to the next with all each of us inevitable, each of us limitless, each of us with his or her right upon the earth, each of us allowed the eternal purports of the earth, each of us here as divinely as any is here. What What is that? Oh, no. 
Wait, wow. read it again. Let me read the whole thing again. Yeah, read it again. Such gliding wonders, such sights and sounds, such joined unended links, each hook to the next, each answering all, each sharing the earth uh, with all, each of us inevitable, each of us limitless, each of us with his or her right upon the earth, each of us allowed the eternal oh, it's, uh, of the earth, each of us here. It's, it's, uh, it's, Walt, it's Walt Whitman. That's Walt Whitman. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what the I don't know what the name of it is, but I know when you said I can understand what you said, but you said such gliding wonder, right? Uh huh. Such such sights and sounds. Uh, yeah, it's that's a, a Whitman thing. I can't remember what the name of it is though. I'll look it up. Oh, that's from Leaves of Grass. Bill Clinton's favorite book. Oh. Right, leaves of grass. Yeah, I, I think it's like um, I think it's called like uh, like glory to the earth or something like that. Or um... yeah, I used to have a copy of that. I don't know what happened to it, but Walt Whitman. So now you're supposed to know. But not many people could, uh, <laughs> couldn't recognize a line of Walt Whitman if, uh, my wife depended on it. Although I guess I, I, I briefly looked at Lee's grass. But Fox News and News Corp, they're going to have some outrageous digs there, man. If you look at all these renderings, it's going to be, in high style, looks like. Wow, crap. Well, we, well, well, Chris, we got to make sure that Fox News is there to defend this World Trade Center. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Sean Hannity can be right there defending the World Trade Center from the Muslims. Maybe like they'll move like Alex Jones into the World Trade Center too. <laughs> That would be pretty surprising if Alex Jones transferred his operations to the World Trade Center. That would be surprising. I mean, you know, I would just kind of take it in stride, but, you know, you would do kind of a double take. It's like, oh, okay, Alex Jones in the World Trade Center, okay. Or or uh, Alex Jones has his own show on Fox News. You know, that, that's, that's semi-believable. He's been on Fox News before. Been on there a lot. I'm not... Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know who's on Jones today, Chris? No, tell me. Steve Quayle. Steve Quayle. Steve wow. Quayle was on Jones today, and if there is a guy, if if there isn't, if there's a guy out there who is like less credible than Jones, it's Steve Quayle. He makes Jones look like, like, I don't know, I mean, like, you know, George Washington, you know, because he chopped down the cherry tree and tell a lie. I mean, Steve Quayle is like the least credible patriot movement guy ever. 
Yeah, doesn't he make like a prediction like every month or so that doesn't come true? No, like like every week. Every week. <laughs> yeah. Every single week he's like he he's like, Okay, this is it. This is it. I just got word from my inside sources, okay, martial law this week. You need to get prepared. I'm not kidding. It's going down. We have confirmed that martial law is going down. Collapse of the dollar, Fukushima, uh, you name it. He he he's he's all on board with it. And yeah, it's it's coming. Jade Helm, uh it it's just martial law is imminent and uh yeah, all of that. He's all over he's all over all of that. Jade Helm hey, doesn't only look at You know what I was thinking about something? Okay, if you know the the people who who run the economy, okay, the gov- you know the government, the collective known as the government in Washington D.C. I've heard of them. Yeah, they they're like part. I mean, they're up there on you know in the you know in the in the realm of like you know near nearing the. Proverbial one percent. Uh huh. Right. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't technically say they were the one percent because the you know the one point one point one percent you know being you know someone like the Rockefellers or something. Way, way I would the, say okay, they're 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 kind of the servants of the one percent. I, I, I that's kind right. of the way I look at it. But but the average person would probably consider them the one percent. Okay. Okay. Now the, I'm gonna guess that they that the majority of those people they got their finances in order, right? You would guess so, yeah. Probably. So like uh, somebody just went and shut so the door. They're safe. So then they, but then they can make mistakes with the economy all the time, and. We can have bubbles and pops and bursts and depressions and recessions, and that's all mismanaged. And then there's constant mismanaging of the government. You know, like no matter if Republicans get in or Democrats get in, there's constant mismanagement of the money, right? You see, you see what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah. Like you got you got all these you got all these experts in in money management, but the money can never be managed. And and then like the one thing that is the that is the um, and, and the reason this came in my head is because I've been researching prosperity doctrine and prosperity gospel. And so um, I'm thinking to myself, all these Republicans, you know, if the Republicans were really you know, conservative Christians, the first thing they would do would be to get the country out of debt because debt is a sin. Yeah. Right. Yet, when the Republicans get into office, their debts are even higher when it comes to, you know, I know this is all fictional, but I'm saying, you know, within the realm of our given reality, their debts go higher with with the Democrats than the Democrats do because of the spending on war and the surveillance state and, 
the defense bills and all those sorts of things, right? Uh huh. So why is the country constantly in debt if all these people are millionaires and billionaires? Yeah. They can manage their own. But, but the so the reason I'm bringing it up is because is because um, people always want to get into the like the little details about what what happens with the economy and like especially around election time you start hearing people start you know talking about like oh well you know if we can get the Republicans in there then we can you know manage the budget. <laughs> Because they're more fiscally conservative. Yeah, and that's what yeah. uh, prods people. You know, if you hit them where they live, and that's, from what I understand, it's people's primary concern when they're getting into politics and all that. Is yeah, how how, it, how it's going to affect me financially. So that's why you know, obviously, you see a lot of that. With all these alternative media people, and I think an important thing too is like when, uh, you know, Jones was having like Paul Craig Roberts on and, and different people talking about the, the, the imminent economic collapse, which was, I guess, partially fulfilled that like in 2008, there was like the, the big drop in the, you know, stock markets. A lot of people lost a lot of their, investments and stuff like that and uh jones was preaching you know get into gold to get into you know you know you need to diversify in into precious metals and really pumping that up and so like people like glenn beck and stuff like that yeah a lot of people not just jones exactly yeah a lot of people were doing that and and i think the the purpose of that is because, you know, this stuff always goes in cycles. Even gold, like if you really look at it, and we talked about this before, how gold, if you look at it in, in its like long range performance, it, it doesn't, it doesn't really outstrip the stock market at all. It all, mm-hmm. all this stuff kind of is indexed and it fluctuates and it all comes back around to the same. Eventually it all comes back to this kind of, uh, one, one, one overarching index, you know, that, that the, the, the people who control the money and then all that stuff that they, they see to that. So they can have gold kind of go and fluctuate and it can kind of take this trajectory that's, um, kind of opposes the stock market and all that. And I think what that, what that did with Alex Jones or with people like that, it, it, it lends them like a great deal of credibility. After they're saying, yeah, you need to get into gold. And so people like will listen to that and then they'll go and get, get, which I don't necessarily think is a bad idea. I, I just don't think, I, don't, I just don't think it is near the, uh, the benefit that they, they're, they're, you know, purporting it to be. But well, I think way- what that does, it, it lends them a lot of credibility in the, in the relative short term. The way they were, the way they were, you know, framing that, you know, was that in in the way I understood, and I I was a, you know, I I remember talking with an investment advisor, and and you know, like I, and I look back on this as a kind of a naive um, 
uh, thought, but you know, I'm like, I want, you know, I was kind of a victim of, of not Alex Jones, but somebody that was like Alex Jones. And it's like, yeah, put all my money in gold. The economy's getting ready to collapse. And, and so I, I know what I was thinking. I think, you know, what they were implying was that, you know, like the, you know, currency itself is going to become, you know, like a, a, you know, whatever a script, you know? And so the only thing you're going to have, and it's like this prepper mentality, the only thing you're going to have to rely on is, is that, you know, like, you know, these gold bullion, right? And it does this, you know, it's easy to, you know, fall, you know, be enticed by that because it's like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, you can develop this narrative in your mind of, you know, you've got these stacks of gold that you can kind of like, you know, weigh out when the dollar is nothing but worthless paper, right? You kind of heard that kind of language a lot. And, uh, you know, just, it just seemed like, uh, uh, logical. But then, you know, when you look at like the way things really go, it's just like, well, it, you know, like I said, it's just kind of naive. And I kind of feel like I, I, I myself was, was kind of in that, you know, financially naive mindset for, uh, during the um, period. Another, another thing that you'll hear on Jones too is like, I remember I'd hear this all the time. And Chris, you can vouch for this. Is Jones would say, "Listen, folks, I've talked to super rich people. Okay, they are fleeing the country. The country <laughs> is totally collapsing. The super rich are getting out right now. Yeah, this yeah. is why you need gold. Yeah, because they're all they're all like they're the buying people. they're buying private islands and they're getting out of the United States and." And then that's what I thought too. I, you know, I, I, I lived outside of the United States. You know, like this is all getting ready to collapse, and it makes okay. a good reason. I think I've told this to Chris before, but I'll tell this here. Jones, Jones even said one time on his show that if you watch the movie Charlie Wilson's War, uh huh. Okay. There's the lady who's played by Julia Roberts. I can't remember what her name is in real life. Um, Hello? Did we lose him? I think we already dropped. We dropped off. I did. I, I guess. I'm not hearing it. Yeah, I think he dropped off. His uh, cell connection dropped off. Well, let's play. I need to. Uh, let's hear some. Special identification. Joining us now is Steve Quell. Thank you, Steve. Well, David, good. To, it's really nice to be on with you because Jade Helm, I think, needs to be put in the larger context. This is the first time in history that a two-month-long operation is going to be focusing on the American public. We know that the same tactics that are being proposed for the exercise to take place between the hours of midnight and 4 or 5 in the morning is exactly what the uh, special operations troops did prior to the bombing of Iraq and all of our different Middle Eastern ventures, whether it's Afghanistan. In other words, you move the special operations community in prior to an event. Now, remember, I want to take everybody back to Larry Greatwall in his book, No Place to Hide. 
if people remember, he was the one that penetrated the weather underground when Bill Ayers and 25 other, well, actually 24 other elite uh, from Ivy League trained schools were talking about the necessity in the early 70s of killing 25 million Americans and prior to the killing of them, moving them into detention camps for uh, re-education. Now, I, I know, David, that you've, you've read his stuff, but here's the larger context. I think that people are being tied up with the, how do I say, the events or the implementation of how they're going to round up people and kill them. And they're forgetting the idea that when Bill Ayers was making this comment, he was deadly serious. Now, I've, I've just taken the population density at that point in history, moved it into our point in history, and the numbers I've heard from special operations, active duty generals in the past, contemporary military and intelligence agents, is they're up to 80 million to 100 million people. So. <laughs> Uh, okay, so right as right as I was about to bring up bring up the lady from Charlie Wilson's war, uh, I got cut off. Yeah. Obviously, obviously, they're listening. Of course. Um. So yeah, the lady who Julia Roberts played in Charlie Wilson's war, Jones said. Jones implied he didn't say her name, but he he implied he said, "Listen, I was at a I was at a really expensive lawyer's office here in Austin, Texas. I ran into a lady. I'm not going to say who it is, but you know, just just go watch Charlie Wilson's War. You'll get the idea." And he's all basically what she she I mean, this lady she you know she she owns defense contractors, folks. This is what she told me. She said, in a couple of years, there's not even going to be an America, okay? That's what she told me. So there's not even going to be an America, and she's getting out. <laughs> yeah. Why wouldn't Jones get out? Like, why wouldn't he move to the Philippines or something? Well, because he's going down with the ship. Remember, he's the skipper. <laughs> <laughs> So, but here's the thing. Imagine you're listening to Jones and you're you're finding out all all of the things that he says is true are true. And then he says something like that and you're a naive listener and you just like literally like are 2 seconds away from dropping a load in your pants because you just had the you know the sh- the SHIT scared out of you. Uh-huh. And there and he's he's doing that to people every single day. Right. Because, you know, circa two thousand four, he was doing it to me. And he's gonna have yeah, Steel, Steve Quayle on and that was from May of Yeah, this year. May, uh, what does this say? Dang it. All this shit's in the way. Oh, yeah, May May 2015. And there he is saying, yeah, you know, Jade Helm, this is it. You're going to round you up FEMA camps. Gonna, what did he say? 200, 200 million people are going to get, yeah, get killed and then round up FEMA, FEMA camps. Um, 
And that's all this guy does is make these kind of predictions based on this oh, military exercise. Okay, for one thing, when is when is there not a military exercise going on? There's how many military exercises going on right now as we speak? And you know, Jade Helm was a was a, a pretty big operation, but uh, like I put the video on. There's guys talking about this, and they're making some really good points. And then one of the guy was a former military dude uh, talking about yeah, back in the nineties, I was part of this 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 military exercise that incorporated like all of the NATO countries and then plus some other countries. It was massive and it was like worldwide. And that was all that, that went on for like a pretty extended period of time. And this is that, that that's like Jade Helm is nothing compared to that. And and I forgot what he called it, but yeah, it was one of those military exercises. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I could recall too, when I, back when I was in the Navy in the nineties, uh, they had, um, yeah, these, these these really big exercises going on out in the uh, the Indian Ocean and all through. You know, it's like it's all the time. You were in the Navy. Yeah, I was in the Navy from eighty eight uh, to ninety four. Oh, I gotta go. <laughs> former, former. Uh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> High ranking E four, <laughs> whatever that means. That's like uh, one rank above what you got when you get out of boot camp, but <clears throat> oh, well, but whatever, he, yeah, yeah. Chris, Chris used to report to William Cooper. He he was actually the one who delivered the final copy of Be- Behold a Pale Horse to the printers to be published. Right. Yeah, I did see a UFO go into the ocean, too. Happens all the time. This is like, if you're in the Navy, you just don't talk about it. No, I'm kidding, but... Yeah, that was his story, Bill Cooper. He saw a massive UFO, like, flying through the sky, and it just went straight down into the ocean. Pretty pretty good stories, though he would tell. Pretty, pretty yes. fantastical. It was him, him and another guy. He's not as good as Jordan Maxwell, but yeah, who's some people even say they're they're the same guy. William Cooper and Jordan Maxwell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of that. that. Oh, is that what? Dallas Goldbug says he says Jordan Maxwell is somebody else and it's pretty funny, but I can't remember who he says Jordan Maxwell is. Uh, gosh, who's he saying Jordan Maxwell is? I forget. Okay. Pretty funny though. Wait, have you, have oh, you Butterbean. Seen... Jordan Maxwell's Butterbean. The rest uh, of them. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Butterbean was, was uh, the coroner from Sandy Hook. <laughs> oh, him too. And Jordan Maxwell, okay. and uh, John Goodman. Okay, did you did you see that thing, Chris? Did you see that um, that thing that uh, that our buddy posted? And it's it's uh, 
Lyndon Johnson is Golda Meir? No, when did he post that? I can't. I don't. I don't remember which post it was on. But just look that up. Look. Look up Lyndon Johnson as Golda Meir and tell me you're not going to cry laughing. Are you saying that uh, that's what Goldbug is actually saying? Yeah, it's it's Lyndon Johnson is Golda Meir. Just type that into a search engine. Look at the images. You gotta be kidding me. You're not, are you? Uh, maybe he is. I don't know. That's a that's a striking resemblance, dude. Oh my gosh! I was dying laughing at that one for for like an hour. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is that is outrageous. Oh my gosh! <laughs> wow! Holy crap! It's kind of weird. It is kind of weird. <laughs> no, the resemblance though is is uh, pretty striking. It's probably related. Oh uh, yeah, I wouldn't. I mean. Man. No, I mean, she smokes. I don't think Linda Johnson smoked. But other than that, it's like right across the board. Same earlobe, same everything. <laughs> oh, man, that was uh, such a good one. Oh, Linda Johnson is golden here. There's some, dude, there's some seriously wacky ones out there, but I mean, I actually kind of like them at a certain level. Funny. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't take it it's seriously, but. I, I know it's poison the well stuff and people get, you know, get all bent out of shape about it. And it, you know, it makes someone like you or me or Paul look kooky, but. <laughs> it's not hard to do. But, but it's, but it's. It's actually really funny. Yeah, some of it's pretty, pretty, uh, really over the top. I mean, it's worth it. It's worth it to see Lyndon Johnson is Golden Mayor. <laughs> <laughs> I would almost fall for that one. I mean, that, it is pretty striking. I don't know how she has thicker eyebrows than him, but oh, I, I want to thank the lion for that one. Oh yeah, he's always he's always putting up some some good laughs. Yes, he he was the one who he was the one who uh, put up the uh, Jordan Maxwell mini raptor or mini uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex clips. I, I'd heard the pterodactyl one already, but I had never heard. The miniature Tyrannosaurus one. That oh yeah, I got to thank you for that. Yeah, thanks, man. That's awesome. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, that's one of my favorite clips of all time. <laughs> Jordan Maxwell. Uh, you can't talk. Here's another. No, no. I mean, he he had he had another story 
really awesome one where he um, he said that he had a girlfriend when he moved to L.A. And have, have you heard this one? Mm, I don't know. He he got a girlfriend when he moved to L.A., like, you know, when he was really young or whatever. And then he met this girl, and then she uh, he knew there was something, you know, special about her. And then she introduced him to her father. And then, like, one day, like, you know, they're hanging out or something, and her dad you know, it says, you know, you're, you're a very special man with, with, you know, um, a bright future ahead of you. And, you know, we're, we're keeping a watchful eye over you. And he like did something with his hand and it summoned three flying saucers. <laughs> really? And he said, and then he, he said to Jordan, he said, I just want to let you know, you know, that, that we're here and we're, I'm making, you know, making our, uh, you know, making our presence known to you. And then he did something with his hand again and the flying saucers went away. And then he went over to his girlfriend's house the next day and the whole family was gone. They had moved. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I mean, the, yeah, well, what is his audience? I mean, you think about that. Uh, and then what does that do? So he goes in and talks about Bohemian Grove, and then Alex Jones has him on multiple times. And then, you know, of course, you got the new age element that's out there. And then the flying saucer community that's out there. And then they could, they could, intermingle all of this stuff and then yeah if you're into it and then you're kind of oh yeah you want to quote jordan maxwell and then somebody looks up jordan maxwell and they're going to get that they're going to get those wild stories about t-rexes and pterodactyls and flying saucers and just matter of fact Mm -hmm. talking about it then and you can find the old old uh, footage of him interviewing Zachariah Sitchin, and he's very proud of the fact that he funded Zachariah Sitchin's uh, trips to the ancient areas to, you know, prove that the, you know, that the, uh, the Anunnaki were, you know, really 30-foot-tall giants, which, you know, goes along with what Steve Quayle talks about as well. And, um, and then there's another story of his, and see, you're, you're hitting it right on the head because he's got stories for like every little niche of, cons- you know, of the conspiracy, of, uh, you know, the conspiracy, uh, what, what, what do we call it? Conspiracy candy? No, the, con- you know, the, con- not the conspiracy movement, but, you know, like the, the commercial enterprise that is conspiracy theories. Yeah. And, and so he had another story too, about how like a Christian, a a Christian family that he knew. And he said, he he kept emphasizing that he said, these were Christian people. These weren't people who were into UFOs or into conspiracy theories. There was nothing like that. It was just, these were a Christian family. 
They were out in the woods. They were camping. <laughs> and they said that they looked down in a valley and that they saw a reptilian man. Okay. That's what they did. They were on top of a hill and they saw a reptilian man standing down in a valley. And they said that they saw him and then like five seconds later, they looked and he was right there at their camp. And they got so scared that they left their things and they drove home. And they told they told me about this story. And so so like right there, you know, here's another story, you know, that incorporates the David Icke thing into the UFOs, into the Zachariah Sitchin. It's all true. All of that stuff is true. It's all simultaneously true. Well, what good is a story like that? I mean, maybe somebody was convinced that they saw a lizard man, okay? Uh, it's like what I talk about with empiricism and stuff like that. Okay, you weren't there, but you're hearing a story and hearing it relayed to you. It's like, what, what did somebody saw or didn't see or think they saw? Or maybe they're just totally just jiving you, just telling you, just blowing smoke up your rear. What what good is a story like that other than to poison the well? You know, it, it, well what what it is 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 see we're thinking about it in the wrong light. What they actually saw was like a like a transitional species from you know an evolution happening. They didn't realize that they didn't, they weren't looking at a lizard man. They were actually looking at a lizard becoming a human through the evolutionary process. well okay i I, i'll go you one better i mean so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna invoke unlimited alternative universities out there which we're supposed to take this seriously so you know you buy into scientism and you buy into evolution theory and naturalistic materialism and so it's gotten to this point you know where they got to come up with some kind of an explanation for the uh you know anthropic principle the cosmological constant and all that so you got you know the proposing of unlimited universes 10 to the 500th power which is basically you know essentially infinite so within that framework uh any and everything i mean reptilians unicorns leprechauns uh you know giant battle bots, whatever, probably exists in, in an, an alternate universe. And then who's to say that there isn't a significantly advanced uh, civilization that exists in the multiverse that hasn't figured out how to communicate trans-dimensionally and that may be indeed doing some cosmic uh, trolling, so to speak, where they're just just scaring the shit out of people, putting in some trans-dimensional entities, some reptilians, just whatever, just to screw with us. You know, like uh, UFOs, whatever. It's just... Bigfoot. Bigfoot. Uh, I can't do a Jordan Maxwell impression, but yeah, materializing T-Rex in Jordan Maxwell backyard. Just any and everything can now be it's it's just every and every any and everything is now on the table, right? And it's science. 
Well, so you I can't mean, mock it anymore. You can't mock any of this stuff. Right. Anymore. It's true. It's and for all you, know, you don't, you can't get proof. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You you can't just you can't just go ahead. Here, you know. <laughs> You can't you can't disprove any of it, you know. And and I mean, I think some. I, I was listening to one of the, I, I you know, uh, 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 Jay Dyer. Uh, I was listening uh, 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 over the Christmas wall. Nobody puts out podcasts, and I had to re- reach into to, to something to listen to. So I wound up listening to some of his YouTube channels. He's talking about Plato, uh, and uh, you know, like like part of the deal there is that there, you know, there is. So, you know, like some, uh, there's a, you know, there's some philosophical point of view that, you know, n- no, there is some ultimate, like, noble reality here that doesn't include leprechauns and, and or, or does, but it's that whatever it is is like, you know, like knowable by humans. But, you know, if, if you, if you, you know, like have that philosophical uh, point of view that, you know, like everything is just this infinite, multiverse, then, um, you know, nothing is knowable. That's a completely different way of looking at the world. And, uh, I, you know, I, I doubt, you know, personally, I doubt that's true, right? That just like there's like everything's possible, but yet I don't know what that, you know, what, what that real thing would be. You know, I don't have a, 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 a clue, you know, like, I, you know, for all I know, and I think I'm, speaking for, you know, people in general, it's like, well, but, you know, I guess there could be a Bigfoot or alien or something. I, who am I to say that there's not? But, you know, like, I don't really have a, you know, like a tight enough grip on, you know, what would be, you know, the base reality to completely rule that out. Well, see, I'd go the other route. I'd say I've never seen proof of there actually being aliens or Bigfoot, so therefore I rule it out I've just seen fraud involved with those things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when when it's mired in fraud like evolution, you know, I don't necessarily um, subscribe to the particulars of the story in the book of Genesis. Mm-hmm. Although I do think it's an interesting thing because you can find a very similar story in the Epic of Gilgamesh, which right allegedly predates the Bible, and I'm not arguing this either here or there for religion or against religion. I'm just saying that I see more evidence of creation than I do evolution, because evolution is totally and completely mired in fraud, and there is no proof of it. So so there's that, and it's the same thing with Bigfoot and UFOs and all that stuff. I've never seen an alien. Mm-hmm. Never seen Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Never seen evidence of either one of those things. So I tend to think those things aren't real. I don't. I don't say, oh well, there's a possibility that that stuff's out there. It's like I can at least look. You know, when when when. When we're looking at something like Sandy Hook or the Boston bomb, you know, Sandy Hook, I guess a little bit, the Boston bombing, we have, you know, good evidence that a lot of it's fake. Obviously, a guy with bloody stumps is not going to be pushed down the street in a wheelchair with a flag (laughs) um, in reality. Um, 
but with something like Sandy Hook, obviously we never saw any dead kids. So technically, on a technicality, you can't say you know what happened there, but you can say for the fact that, hey, we never saw any evidence of anybody dying there, therefore I can conclude nobody died. Yeah, and we could say that, you know, well, I could say I wasn't there, so I, I, I don't know, but I, I do know that what was presented to me doesn't line up with uh, what my life experience tells me and what, uh, you know, other either direct or indirect experience tells me. And uh, so I could, I could dismiss it based on that because, you know, something on the news is not proof of anything. And even if they were to show me some pictures of some shot up, what what would appear to be shot up children or shot up people that that in and of itself is not even proof of anything you know it's like you would have to draw, draw a lot of uh conclusion draw conclusions based on a lot of presumptions that uh you have to um take a lot of things uh just for granted on its face and not and 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 say, well, you know, there's pictures of dead bodies like at the Bataclan Theater in Paris, then therefore that must mean there were actual victims. But it's like, I mean, do you really know what you're looking at? I mean, are they going to show you a picture of like dead bodies and smeared blood all over the place? And yet, you know, no, no visible signs of foot traffic going through any of that blood. I mean, where's all the footprints of all the people scrambling trying to get away trying to get through it trying to get over it but you see this very odd smeared blood pattern which doesn't make any sense from any uh any conceivable scenario so i mean um yeah i, I don't I, i've never had ha, heard of any kind of plausible explanation for that other than you know, this is this is what supposedly happened, and here's the aftermath. And it's like, well, that that's not reflective of reality, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, of course, what what experience am I going off of? Have I ever been involved in anything like that? No, but I, I I'm but I have seen human blood. I've been in contact with human blood. I've I've, I've seen accidents. I've seen people bleed and um. Blood is a liquid, and it's sort of similar in a lot of ways to like uh, what would happen if you stepped in wet paint. You would track it all over the place if it was on your shoes. And, yeah, you don't see that in the Boston thing, and you don't see that there. So I would say that's probably not real blood or a real scene because you would have footprints of blood where people are walking through blood and tracking it all over the place, just like you would track any kind of liquid substance that's all over the ground. But for some you reason, know, that's conspicuously um, absent. After Charles Darwin died, the Huxleys were, um, you know, given the job of proliferating Darwin on into the next century and keeping his work alive, right? So anytime you see 
you'll see like a bunch of different books all written by Julian Huxley, all about Darwin. Right. Uh And so he wrote a book in the fifties and it's called knowledge, morality, and destiny. Okay. Okay. Now, Julian Huxley tells you exactly right here what evolution actually is. Okay. He says, in the actual course of the evolutionary process, general biological advance has been achieved in a series of steps through the emergence of a series of dominant types. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then he goes on and he says, man inhabits a world of ideas which he has created and a, and of social institutions and achievements which those ideas have generated. In the psychological world, he lives and moves and has his being. It is in a certain sense an artificial environment which he makes for himself that can better be regarded as an essential part of the radically new type of evolving organization represented by the human species. There is inevitably some conflict between the interest of individuals and those of society, but the conflict is in large measure transcended in this conception of man as an evolving psychosocial organism. This dictates certain conclusions. In the longest-term point of view, our aim must be to develop a type of society and culture capable of ever-fresh evolution, one which continually opens the way to new and fuller realizations. In the medium-term point of view, we must secure the reproduction and improvement of psychosocial organization, the maintenance of the frameworks of society and culture, and their transmission and adjustment in time. And in the immediate point of view, we must aim at maximum individual fulfillment. What needs stressing, however, is that from the angle of evolutionary humanism, the flowering of the individual is seen as having intrinsic value as being an end in itself. In in the satisfying exercise of our facilities and the pure enjoyment of our experience, the cosmic process of evolution is bringing some of its possibilities to fruition. In individual acts of comprehension and love and the enjoyment of beauty and the inner experiences of peace and assurance and the satisfaction of creative achievement, however humble, we are helping to realize human destiny. Above all, the individual should aim at fullness and wholeness of development. Every human being is confronted with the task of growing up, building a personality out of raw materials of his infant self. Right? So that's what evolution is. Evolution is pretty interesting. Is he 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 goes he goes from he goes from talking about evolution in the Darwinian sense and in like religious sense, yeah, this flowery marriage religion, right? And then he moves through psycho, like psychology, 
because what he also talks about, what he's saying there is like, okay, man engineers his own environment and it's an artificial one. And the way that you uh, create evolution is through, is by controlling society through culture. That was another one of the lines in there. Mm-hmm. And so, so, I mean, this is something we always, you know, you and I have, Chris, to have discussions about all the time is that evolution like their their definition of it is moving you through the waves of time because he's he's touching on the new age stuff and of course Paul being a, a Buddhist knows about the waves of time. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So that's like the third wave. That's why uh, Alvin Hoffman named his book the third wave because it's a wave of time, and yeah. so you know that. So yeah, that's what evolution is. Is is it's not the evolution of the of the physiological aspects, although that could be evolved or devolved through um, you know uh, malnutrition, but yeah. mostly it's it's uh, whatever it is we want the culture and the society to reflect. We have to move you to that point, and we'll call that evolution. Uh, uh, yeah, um, evolution theory itself is just the uh, religious underpinning to those ideals. Like it, it, it. You know, people believe that you know um, this is uh, the process by which you know biological reality manifests itself through some you know stumble step process. That's sort of this, you know. It, it kind of progresses along through no direction, just sort of a, um, a, a, a an amalgam accumulation of errors that amount to something somehow for some reason uh, that, you know, it, and then, you know, through, through a long enough period of time. And I think that's an essential element there is like what you describe as these waves of time. And people have bought into this notion like hook, line, and sinker. They completely buy into the long ages of the earth and these vast eons of time where it's, it's, you know, they'll, they'll ridicule creationists like to say, Oh, you invoke the God of the gaps. Well, no, they invoke this God of long ages of time to explain what well, would ordinarily be regarded as. The one thing that happens with long ages of time, I'll just interject this real quick so you can finish your point, is the best thing about long ages of time is people don't have good memories and they don't remember what something was 10 years ago, much less 100 years ago. So now you've got months or even 10 months or 10 days ago. Well, yeah, now, but see, now, now you've got, you know, now you've got giant lizards walking the earth. Yeah, and, you know, we've talked about, too, how that is, you know, most likely another fictional construct that's been put out there. You know, like dinosaurs, like, I I, I, I think that's a subject that kind of uh, is, is is a little bit, uh, uh, it, well, it, actually, it's, it's pretty multifaceted. It's kind of like, well, you got to, you've got to have an accurate definition of what you're talking about as far as a dinosaur and what, what even does that mean? But yeah, the so concept you, just, that, that 65 million years. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'll ask questions. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
I was just going to make this point that, yeah, this, this concept of these vast ages of time and, uh, fitting into this, your, your perception of how you, you came to be and, you know, and, and that, and that's driven, driven into your, um, driven into your conscious mind, your subconscious mind on, on through many different avenues on a, on a regular basis. Um, and that, and, and that concept, serves as sort of this philosophical or religious underpinning to um all this other stuff that rides on the back of that you know like societal evolution everything is mm. framed within this perception of these this you know the, the the progression of things along this linear course that directs us that takes us in a certain direction which is never defined, right. oddly enough. You, you, know, you know what else they do, too, is the Olympics is always invoked as evolution, right? That's like, that's like window dressing every, you know, 40 years or whatever. They, they remind you how much man has evolved through these games, right? Mm. And yeah. so they even took it one step further with the... What was the Joker's name? Is running around on fake legs, Oscar Pistorius or whatever. Right. Yeah. So, so they do this all, all the time. Where you know, um, that you know, here, here's something I thought about. There and and um, I, I was thinking about how how they probably you know most likely fake the outcomes of some of some of the Olympics, right? Yeah, and um, there was there was uh, I can't remember which Olympics it was, but they had Whitney Houston sing a song at the opening of the Olympics, and it was a, it's a very Masonic song if you read the lyrics. It's called "One Moment in Time." Yeah. Okay. Which is, and so they had her sing, and that was like the Olympics where like. All, all those people won, um, you know, like Jackie. Interestingly enough, there, there's two women running two separate. One, 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 named, one named Jackie Joyner Kersey. The other one named is Florence Griffith Joyner. Okay. <laughs> hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, it was the you know America. America was triumphant in these particular Olympics, and Whitney Houston just happened to open these Olympics with. Her famous, you know, one moment, in, one moment in time song, and um, and so, yeah, the the Olympics themselves remind you of how evolved man can become, right? It's not it's not something religious. It's not something where we're focused on on how great we are as a human species because of the Creator. <laughs> It's right. because somebody somebody worked hard and they they struggled to get that gold. Oh, yeah, it's gold again, right? And the triumph of the of the of the uh, dominant ones, right? And they all stand on the pedestals with the alchemical gold, the silver, and the bronze, right? Mm. Very very occultic, uh, the Olympics. Yeah, well, the, this, uh, one, this one's out are... throughout athletics, not just the Olympics. This would be a, a theme throughout athletics, but yeah, go on. Yeah, aren't the Olympians 
supposed to be another name for the the ruling elite or the Illuminati or where they call themselves the Olympians. And uh, I've heard that too. And the rings represent the interlocked secret societies that uh, actually represent the true rulership of the of 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 the, the I was going to say globe but the planet the Illuminati. yeah and, and, and it's you know, all, all I know, of it's I know that's really... a painted term nowadays but that's basically what it is because that's why you have the torch that's passed around to light the giant fire basin that burns for the duration of the Olympics is the Illuminati yeah, ones the great work being passed from generation to generation representing the 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 eternal light, the eternal flame, the torch, and they pass it on from generation to generation. And that's represented in the the big ceremony of the the torch being being shuttled along and then they take it to the big uh the big torch and they light it and that's the opening ceremony and yeah it's all all this occult symbolism that's that the whole Olympics is heavily laden with, yeah. And uh, okay, guys, I gotta go. See you later. Thanks for talking with you. Yeah, yeah. All right, man. Okay. Good night. Thanks All right. For calling All right. Talk to you later. You guys have a good night. Okay. Okay. Bye bye. Bye. The uh, the his the, his CIA his CIA handler told him it's time to go. Yeah, or his or his wife, or it could be one and the same. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, just kidding, Paul. Just kidding. But yeah, the oh yeah, the Olympics, and uh, then it, then it's kind of uh, is always tied into the the whole concept of. Uh, yeah, this 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 perfection of mankind or the evolution of mankind and how yeah we're progressively getting better, faster, stronger, breaking new records and in in all of that I I I feel is is rigged. I mean I, I know that's probably hard for some people to believe, but yeah I think it's set up and rigged and just like professional sports. Are rigged. Well, well, you see, the concepts, all of these concepts that we're talking about, is the, these don't actually take place in for 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 the majority of people. These things do not take place in the physical realm. Of course, I believe that there are Olympics being held, and people really do run track and uh, you know do the curling event and. Uh, you know, do the shot put and all that stuff. But for most people, those things are not happening. Just like sports is not real. Yes, there really is a football game and you can go watch it at your local sports stadium, but most people are not experiencing it in the, in the first hand, you know, first hand. Right. And even, even most people who watch sports on a regular basis, they watch Sports. You'll hear that all the time. Do you watch sports? Do you watch sports? Not do you do you attend sports games? Right? 
Nobody asked that. Do you, do you attend sporting events? Because nobody has money to do that, right? You can't go, you can't go to a you know a, a Laker game every week or a you know Chris. I know you. you unfortunately for you, you're not going to be able to attend the Oklahoma Oklahoma Sooners um, you know football games uh, this year because of your finances. Uh-huh. Um, so most people are experiencing this in a completely different reality. Right? Right. And so once again, it's all taking place in the landscape of the mind. Right. And so when every single thing, no matter if it's sports, movies, whatever it is, has this backdrop of, of like you, of like you were talking about, we're progressing towards this end. We're progressing towards this perfection. Um, out, you know, there's going to be those who are going to fall by the wayside, and mostly that has to do with economics. So we're also talk, talking about a social Darwinistic type thing as well. We could be talking about a religious thing because. Um, God, God blesses the the way you have evidence of being blessed by God is through your finances, through the prosperity doctrine, and and um, if you're not doing well, then you must be doing something wrong. And you can invoke the story of Job there, and use that on your congregation, and you can, and so no matter what it is, no matter what little niche it is, there's all this idea of progress. Why do we always have to be progressing? Like, like that's, that's the one thing I, I always try to get back to is like, there were, there were allegedly cultures that stayed the same for 600 years. Uh-huh. Before somebody, you know, before somebody came along and decided to, um, you know, help advance them because they were backwards. Like, so they survived for 600 years just fine, just being stagnant. And then we have the best culture. We have all the best stuff. We're the most advanced. We're the, we're the best thing in the world, the West. The West is the best, like Jim Morrison says. Uh-huh. But but we have all these problems. And we have all these problems that a stagnant culture that survived six hundred years didn't have. And I bet you they didn't believe in evolution. Yeah, what does that even what does it even mean a stagnant culture? I mean we can uh well yeah, how what are you what are you using as a measuring tool for what is a what is a, a you know what 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 is this thing we're progressing towards or or or, or is that ever defined? Uh, you know, we talk about how that's never actually defined and 
you know, but then there's all this sort of nebulous concept of, you know, yeah, progress and, uh, you know, it, it incorporates science. Real, real, quick. And, real, real quick, cause I, I gotta go here. I gotta go to bed, but, um, let me say, let me ask you a question. I can leave you with this and then I'll listen to it, uh, tomorrow on the flip side. One of the th- one of the comebacks you'll hear from from folks is, Chris, don't you like what you have here in in civilization? Like, don't don't you like you know having all of the amenities, right? Yeah. And I would say yes, I like these amenities that I have. I like having, um, I like living in the house that I live in. I like having a couple of guitars. I like having a bookshelf full of books and lots of music to listen to. I do enjoy those things. But see, if I was born in another culture, I wouldn't know what those things were. Right. Just in the same so way that you were, you're, you're unaware of whatever enhancements may be available through technology that you're not being allowed access to. Exactly. Right so, so, my, you know, my point is, is if you're born some in another culture with another, you know, that was so-called stagnant culture, and their, you know, highest level of advancement of whatever it was is, you know, they figured out how to, you know, flatten cornmeal and make tortillas out of it, you know, um, then so be it. I mean. They, you know, they, they got along fine without having a uh, conveyor belt that, you know, presses the tortillas for you. Yeah, even though an argument can be made for that being the 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 best, most efficient, most uh, expeditious way to produce a tortilla, and I, I don't. But right. then it's Indeed. like, what but are you, then, then you, what bring, are you after? Then you bring it back to commerce. Yeah, then, then it comes back to commerce. Because the only reason you would need to make them faster and more efficiently is if you're trying to pump them out to sell them. But if you're just making them for everybody in the village. Right. You don't need You don't need it, you know? But then, what do you trade in exchange for the uh, the, the efficiency? Just sticking to the uh, to tortillas here. Like, what? Okay, so if you look at the primitive, quote unquote, so they got the 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 mother, the sister, the grandmother sitting around conversing, enjoying a conversation, making up some tortillas. Uh, having family time, having song time, having, uh, that bonding and cohesion taking place as opposed to what's typical in the modern day where you just swing through the Taco Bell drive through, you grab something that you don't know where it's been, you put it in your gullet, you go about your business because you really don't have time. For anything else and uh, that that is equivalent to quote-unquote progress 
Well, also you'd have to factor in that they wouldn't be sitting around singing songs or talking. They'd probably be watching TV or listening to um, Drake. Drake? Yeah, the uh, the rapper Drake. She, Which would be a so, major so, loss, right? If you weren't, if you didn't have that well, privilege. I know, but see, the thing is, is, those are all elements of actual real culture. So, you know, pe- people can criticize. You know, criticize the idea. Oh, you're getting into archaic revival. You're getting into. Um, you know, oh, let's go back to this old, this old thing. And uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, where you reject technology? What's it called? Uh, Ludditism. Yeah. Yeah, that's not what I'm saying because I don't have any. Um, uh, I don't have. I, I'm not fooling myself into thinking that that's going to happen. But what I'm saying is, is those are all things that you can see as evident where people didn't rely and, and you still will see you still will see uh, elements of this today um if you go into you know middle america or if you go into mexico or some place like that those cultures have stronger ties to family and the actual meaning of the word culture comes into play because it's not centered around a manufactured mass media culture. Uh-huh. You know, for the most part, you know, that is being slowly but true. Doing things together as a family or doing things together as friends. Yeah, you cut out there, John. Yeah, you broke up, and then now I can't hear you. I don't know if you can hear me. Yeah, I can't hear it. I can't hear you. Anything you're saying now. I don't know if I don't know if you can still hear me or not. But yeah, you just broke up and then cut out. I don't know if your connection is still on or not. There you are. Hello. Yeah, you're back now, but. Yeah, you cut out there for a minute. I was saying we all get together to sit around and watch uh, sports, but we're not going to go down to the park and play sports ourselves. Yeah, you don't have to. You get your exercise at the gym with all the machinery. Yeah, it's the culture. That's 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 how it is. So that's better. That's good. That's you know, technology's better in that regard, right? Yeah, you have this. Everything is kind of fragmented into um, all these different. Uh, well, what amounts to uh, consumer products, so that. Uh, you know, your your value in society is kind of, you know, reflective of what you earn in whatever capacity that you happen to obtain 
and then uh, y- y- your 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 dollar value is what's important, and and then you can afford those quote unquote luxuries. But you know, time is not up there. Speaking of time again, and vast ages of time, but and you know that's sort of the underpinning philosophy. But then, ironically, on the other hand, that's something that people are lacking in as things, you know, quote unquote, progress. Oh, it looks like John dropped off there. But uh that that is um Yeah, what 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 is this thing called, you know, progress or civilization or or what have you, that that's how it always kind of seems to play itself out is that uh you know, it's something that can be referred to, it's something that can be uh hinted at or invoked and uh we yeah, we don't really have a, any kind of a clear definition of what that actually is or what it entails or what it means or if it's even beneficial but then yeah you end up getting accused of being a luddite or backwards or something like that if you sort of romanticize uh you know what what is referred to as primitive cultures or primitive societies but uh yeah i don't know would you have a you know do we have our you know the common civilized person do we have any kind of clear definitions of what primitive primitivism actually is what does that even mean you know you can look at some different cultures that uh, if you take examples of like cultures that existed here pre-Columbia era, pre-Columbus era, or whatever, I mean, and then them would be classified as primitive. But then you kind of maybe look into it a little bit more, and it's like, well, they actually had pretty advanced understandings of, you know, how the ecology worked and how to manage it. And their, their whole culture, their society was fairly complex and their knowledge was pretty extensive. And, and then you end up with an individual that, uh, you could take them, strip them bare naked and send them off into the woods come back and check on this guy in a couple of weeks and then he's got shelter he's got food he's got clothing that he just extracted out of the woods where you take a civilized individual and you put him into the similar situation you check on him a couple of weeks later and the guy is just an absolute wreck if he's still alive and eaten up by insects and totally fucked over. And then uh, you say, oh, this is the more advanced individual 
So yeah, so what is it you're talking about? You know, and I I mean so it's, oh yeah, we need to go back to the mud, we need to go back to the earth, we need to do this or that. That that's all just contrived talking points that people will latch on to and and I think that's all because of our limited sort of restricted view of things that we get conditioned to accept based on our yeah, our whole experience and our whole being born into the system, you know, being born into the money system, the so-called civilization and everything that it entails. And, uh, yeah, but when you look at the, the byproducts of it, I mean, how many people do you know that are on some kind of drug either prescribed or not prescribed. It's like, okay, what is what is that a product of? Is it a product of uh is that something that's represents progress? Cuz I I'm sure that's would be acknowledged as something that is that is a uh definitely predominates within this thing that we call civilization and this thing we call modern society i mean this this you know all, all these different manifestations of dependency of one form or another but one of it is like chemical dependency and uh yeah well interesting book to read is uh 40 arguments for the elimination of television by jerry mander and that's a pseudonym he goes under but uh so how they introduced television into the Inuit cultures in Alaska, I think that was re as recent as the uh, late 60s, 70s, if I'm not mistaken. So they, so they, they gave them the gift of television or so-called satellite TV or whatever it's can run cable all the way up there to Alaska, but uh, yeah, but you know, however they got it, they got it, and so they've done anth anthropological studies, of course, on the impact of uh, television on their culture, on their society, and it's like, yeah, within a generation, they saw some drastic changes in their culture and uh wherein is if you could take pre-tv and post-tv you see the instances of divorce skyrocketed the instances of uh people becoming alcoholics skyrocketed the, the instances of all kinds of modern ailments diabetes tooth decay became issues where they weren't real issues before with people kind of subsisting off their native diets because along with television came the desire for, you know, processed food. And mainly they say the driver of it was children. And one of the, the things that, uh, the children started demanding was what they were seeing on television with McDonald's and, 
processed foods and that, you know, and driving their parents crazy. We got to got it. We got to get it. We got to have it. So, you know, following on the heels was that was the introduction of, you know, McDonald's, the processed food, wheat flour, that sort of thing, becoming a staple. And then interestingly enough, like it, it seems to go hand in hand with alcoholism. And I, I think that's probably has something to do with, Oh, blood sugars being altered and, and then, uh, you know, how white bread turns into something that's, uh, very similar to the way alcohol acts in your body and, and, you know, creating those dependencies, in other words, and yeah, divorce and the whole other, uh, other stuff that wasn't really issue before, but that became an issue after the introduction of television. So that, that's, that's interesting, but you know, it kind of goes back around to, um, uh, yeah, what are we, we're talking about when we're talking about advanced society? Oh, or then you can look into the work of, uh, Weston A. Price and some of his observations and, um, which I tend to concur with. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know about his foundation that exists today and what it actually represents but yeah i think that uh like his observations were were based on uh you know sound actual science and then you know taking taking uh taking note of their you know bone structure and all that their teeth the the development of their you know, palate, the plate, the, t the, the, the jawline, the uh, whole thing. And, you know, it's like they didn't have a problem with wisdom teeth. Like, uh, you know, their teeth weren't crowded out and they're, and they're, and they're, they had room for their teeth to grow and then, and their jaw and, and their skull formation and accommodated their teeth and they had healthy teeth and they didn't have te their teeth rotting out. And talking about people who had, you know, natural diets that were, oh, hunter-gatherer cultures or whatever you want to call it, you know, um, indicative of a much superior level of health overall, mentally, physically, you know, they had, they exhibited uh, far greater physical strength and stamina, uh, Eyesight, you know, nearsightedness, farsightedness was not an issue. You look at William H. Bates, uh, that is known even to this day, you know, the Bates method. And, you know, I've, I've, I've talked about how I got rid of my eyeglasses and I no longer wear eyeglasses and, and, uh, adopted the Bates method and, uh, that, that whole, um, work body of work that, uh, you know, William H. Bates is known for, but yeah, you look at primitive cultures and they didn't have the bad eyesight that predominates in our culture. But yeah, but what, what am I getting at? I guess is, is, is to say that, uh, yeah. Okay. What is it that we 
we tend to value oh creature comforts um you know refrigeration um all these different things that represent are representative of a you know so called advanced culture but um yeah what what is this that we've bought into by not knowing any different or not knowing any any other alternative kind of way to live but you know one thing is certain that we are always conditioned to associate um you know primitive cultures with backwardness ignorance um you know dying young like we're always told that those people only live to be like in their 20s and yeah i don't i don't know where the evidence is for that but uh i know that you can look at some old photographs taken at the turn of the last century where there was still native americans that were living their native american way of life you know eating what they hunted and and what they could harvest out of the land and yeah it looks like there was some old people around so yeah some people definitely made it into old age living that kind of life so but you're going to be told that oh lifespans talking about progress is that yeah the reason why you live people can live to be in their 80s is because science and technology and medicine and uh yeah i think that is true to an extent within a certain constrained set of parameters which if you're coming out of the industrial revolution and you're coming out of you know the middle ages and you're using that as a as a point of comparison then yeah you can you can take note of uh, some significant progress in those areas but uh yeah but if you want to compare to so-called primitive cultures i mean what do you got to go off of i mean were their were their lives so short i mean was that pretty typical or is there something something that we're not being told like the idea that oh yeah maybe we're really supposed to live to be 120 like the bible says and but uh, modern civilization actually shortens your lifespan but you know relatively speaking if you go back to like the industrial i mean industrial revolution and stuff like that the conditions were so rough that people didn't live to be that long so yeah what is your point of comparison or what are you talking about yeah so that's those those to me are some really interesting avenues of exploration and i and i think it all kind of ties in with the overall subject matter because You know, we we also get fed, and I think a lot of us are aware of this, like this, these these mythologies, like evolution theory, uh, and 
on up into what we're being told about uh, how the world is, you know, today with uh, all the Muslim terrorists and the, and, and uh, the things we're supposed to be concerned about. And then it turns out that that's all a bunch of malarkey. It's a bunch of, it's a bunch of hokum. And, uh, but what you get clued in on is, is the fact that, you know, it's important to sell a lie to the average person and to get you to believe in it. And there's a very important reason for you to buy into the lie and to organize your thoughts around lies like science of progress. And that we went to the moon. It's important. It's very, very important. And people say, well, why would they fake going to the moon? Well, it's important. It's important to a citizen that lives within civilization to believe such a thing, because it, it, it tells you a lot about, you know, science and progress and some sort of this nebulous future that exists out there and, you know, in the, in the future, right? So that, you know, we're going to go and colonize these planets and we're going to do this and that. And like Kennedy says that not because it's easy, but because it's hard. Well, what does that even mean? These platitudes, you know, Oh, we're going to do it because it, not because it's easy, because it's hard. Well, I mean, well, Chris, why are you trying to take all the paint off your pickup with a, a little small metal brush? Well, you know, not because it's hard. Yeah, it's going to take you how, how long? It's like, I, I know, but uh, I'm doing it not because it's easy, because it's hard. Well, Said, well, yeah, yeah, you need to be locked up. But no, we, we're doing it because we went to the moon because, uh, or they told us that because, yeah, it's important. It's important to the overall narrative that we need to be sold on, which is this concept of, you know, advancement and science and progress and, and all of that. But you know, how how would uh, you say that it benefits you directly? Well, they got Tang and they got Velcro and all that stuff came out of the science uh, of going to space. And those are the benefits. And it's like uh, stuff like that. And it's like, wow, wow, yeah, that's... That, that's really, really improves my life, like powdered drink that tastes like oranges, but it's not really oranges, and then it's enhanced with some kind of vitamin C, I guess. I guess vitamin C is good, so yeah, it's worth multi-billion dollar project to, yeah, to get you tang, get you tang, tang, um... Oh, like what does uh, Samuel Clemens say? It's the uh, civilization is the uh, limitless multiplication of 
unnecessary necessities. And we work and strive and beat our brains out to accumulate unnecessary necessities. And that's what kind of defines us. Your accumulation of material goods and services and how much you can afford. And if you work harder, you'll be able to afford more and you'll be worthy of more because you've contributed to quote unquote society makes you a good person, makes you an upstanding individual, respectable, a good company man. And yeah, that's what it's come down to in the modern day. But then you can read into plans where, oh yeah, they're going to eventually phase all that out so that uh, you're no longer working for money. You'll be working for even something more abstract, which is like credits. And from what I understand that you'll be allotted a certain amount and whatever you don't use at the end of the month will disappear. And that's the way it'll be. But yeah, you see some progression towards that, especially with uh, a lot of this virtual commodities that have come out recently that don't even represent anything at all tangible, just another further level of abstraction into this kind of casino economy, this, virtual economy and people now will buy things within these apps that are on their smartphones that you make purchases within these games of things that get you further along in this game. And it's really, really bizarre, but yeah, you can buy virtual items and now that's becoming more and more of a thing. But yeah, getting more and more deeper into just total, absolute, uh, abstract nothingness. And that's where progress seems to be taking us into this virtual reality. But, uh, yeah, I guess it's a good place to like leave this particular call. Because I wanted to maybe go into that some more, some future point. Um, yeah, because uh, I think that that is uh, kind of important to look at that. Like, wh- you know, where are things headed? And, well, I mean, look at uh, where young people and children are spending a lot of their time. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's online. It's on and mainly, largely, in these synthetic worlds that are are represented by these uh, video game consoles, and I've noticed that. Like uh, my nephew and like his, his little buddies, and and uh, he, not just boys, but like girls, and. Uh, really preoccupied with these little games and this virtual reality. And yeah, what is that all going to eventually work itself out to in the future? I think that's a 
important thing to look at, but, uh, yeah, but, uh, okay. Who's left after three hours? Oh, looks like three hours and 33 minutes. Uh, ounce of salt per day, coho bobo, uh, Elo Himmler, Flies on Horseshoot, Ninja in Tropic, Greg NG, KMOD, uh, Negro, Butcher, Sample Listen, and Wanda Wanda. Uh, yeah, it's good to see, uh, Sean here. It's cool. Uh, yeah, thanks y'all for coming out, checking out the call, coming on live. Uh, check out the hoaxbusterscall.com blog. There's going to be the chat transcripts up there. Some other postings of interest on there. Um, you can look at the chat and the links that are in the chat and the discussion that was in the chat. Um, take a look at that. Uh, that'll be posted at hoaxbusterscall.com. Yeah, and, and and a big thanks to those who sent out donations. Appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, it'd be really nice of, uh, you know, I think uh, thanks go out to people who, like, uh, give me, like, uh, reviews on TalkShoe. Maybe next time I'll read off some of those. Appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, on iTunes as well. And, uh, yeah, and then in my, uh, video got picked up at, uh, uh, 21st Century Wire. And, uh, that, that was nice. And, uh, I appreciate that. Uh, my the video I was talking about at the beginning of the call. Um, uh, yeah, that's real good. And, uh, Flies on Horseshit wants me to end the chat with a BG song. Um, yeah, I'll see what I can do about that. Um, actually, I don't have one in the queue, but I could probably do the next best thing. And well, let's see what I got. How about this? Space? 
listening to the Hoaxbusters call. You can subscribe to the podcast at hoaxbusterscall.com. You can support the Hoaxbusters call by rating it on iTunes, sharing it on social media, a donation at hoaxbusterscall.com Conspicuous graffiti in public places Hoaxbusters Call Conspiracy Just Theory We are the priests of power, he said. God is power. But at present, power is only a word so far as you are concerned. It is time for you to gather some idea of what power means. The first thing you must realize is that power is collective. The individual only has power insofar as he ceases to be an individual. You know the party slogan, freedom is slavery. Has it ever occurred to you that it is reversible? Slavery is freedom. Alone, free, the human being is always defeated. It must be so because every human being is doomed to die, which is the greatest of all failures. But if he can make complete, utter submission, if he can escape from his identity, if he can merge himself in the party so that he is the party, then he is all-powerful and immortal. The second thing for you to realize is that power is power over human beings. 
over the body, but above all over the mind. Power over matter, external reality as you would call it, is not important. Already our control over matter is absolute. For a moment Winston ignored the dial. He made a violent effort to raise himself into a sitting position and merely succeeded in wrenching his body painfully. But how can you control matter? He burst out. You don't even control the climate or the law of gravity. And there are disease, pain, death. O'Brien silenced him by a movement of the hand. We control matter because we control the mind. Reality is inside the skull. You will learn by degrees, Winston. There is nothing that we could not do. Invisibility. Levitation, anything. I could float off this floor like a soap bubble if I wish to. I do not wish to, because the party does not wish it. You must get rid of those nineteenth-century ideas about the laws of nature. We make the laws of nature. But you do not! You are not even masters of this planet. What about Eurasia and East Asia? You have not conquered them yet. Unimportant. We shall conquer them when it suits us, and if we did not, what difference would it make? We can shut them out of existence. Oceania is the world. But the world itself was only a speck of dust. And man is tiny, helpless. How long has he been in existence? For millions of years, the earth was uninhabited. Nonsense. The earth is as old as we are, no older. How could it be older? Nothing exists except through human consciousness. But the rocks are full of the bones of extinct animals, mammoths and mastodons and enormous reptiles which lived here long before man was ever heard of. Have you ever seen those bones, Winston? Of course not. Nineteenth-century biologists invented them. Before man, there was nothing. After man, if he could come to an end, there would be nothing. Outside man, there is nothing. But the whole universe is outside us. Look at the stars. Some of them are a million light-years away. They are out of our reach forever. What are the stars? said O'Brien indifferently. They are bits of fire a few kilometers away. We could reach them if we wanted to, or we could blot them out. The earth is the center of the universe. The sun and the stars go round it. Winston made another convulsive movement. This time he did not say anything. O'Brien continued as though answering a spoken objection. For certain purposes, of course, that is not true. When we navigate the ocean or when we predict an eclipse... We often find it convenient to assume that the Earth goes round the Sun and that the stars are millions upon millions of kilometers away. But what of it? Do you suppose it is beyond us to produce a dual system of astronomy? The stars can be near or distant according as we need them. Do you suppose our mathematicians are unequal to that? Have you forgotten doublethink? Winston shrank back upon the bed. Whatever he said, the swift answer crushed him like a bludgeon. And yet he knew. He knew that he was in the right. The belief that nothing exists outside your own mind, surely there must be some way of demonstrating that it was false. Had it not been exposed long ago as a fallacy? There was even a name for it which he had forgotten. A faint smile twitched the corners of O'Brien's mouth as he looked down at him. I told you, Winston, he said, that metaphysics is not your strong point. The word you are trying to think of is solipsism. But you are mistaken. This is not solipsism. Collective solipsism, if you like, but that is a different thing. In fact, the opposite thing. All this is a digression, he added in a different tone. The real power, the power we have to fight for night and day, is not power over things, but over men. Haven't scientists always been wrong? Like, uh, like they used to think the sun went around the earth? 
everybody say hey, that scientist well he's so smart until, we'll until white science, other science refuted it right but back then like the, everybody at that time thought that guy was smart why at this time do we think that the earth goes around the did sun did christ think the world was flat huh did christ think the world was flat these are questions i ask <laughs> Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.